Oh, for the love of... Oh, everything okay? No, I mean, yeah. That was my voicemail app telling me it couldn't tell if I had a voicemail or not. <laughs> oh, smartphones are the future, man. What a fucking piece of garbage. Finding new ways to annoy us every day. Why would you just tell me that? <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the one who forgot to put my phone on sound this day. Because it's usually This me. is going to sound sad? It's not usually a problem. <laughs> Welcome to the Director Video. VHS? A podcast where we pair movies like fine wine. I am your host and disembodied hand, Tony Robusto. Uh, I am your host and Andy Reyes. <laughs> I don't know why. That's That feels so solid to me. <laughs> I, I was going to say Andy Adams... But then I was like, no, I can't say that because that's not a joke. Right. <laughs> I, listen, man, I might not be on my like top game today, but I'll get there. That's okay. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to record for two to three hours and you're going to start to get loopy and that's going to get good. Yeah. Well, I have a coffee here with me, so it'll we'll get there. We'll get there. And I think we'll get there pretty quickly. The, this These certainly were movie. Well, I would say that we watched a movie and then also 90 minutes of, of, of just good jokes. Yeah, okay. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, it's... it's. I didn't dislike either of these movies. Me neither. Um, I dislike aspect of, aspects of some of them. I, ooh, I there is a as, good... aspects of both of them. There is a good 10 minutes of one that I was like, hmm. Aspects of both of them that I thought were, like, really good. What I didn't expect from the Addams Family was that it felt like a story about marginalized voices. Yeah, it, it very much is. It's about being okay with being an outsider. Yeah. I want to just talk real quick about this movie because this movie was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld and I'm going to read to you the movies that Barry Sonnenfeld has worked on. Okay. This is my new favorite thing that we've started doing on this podcast (laughs) because, because every time I do it, it's, Oh, it's a fucking trip. Okay. Cause we're, and we're going to go on a ride. So the first guess what? The Adams family was his feature film debut. Okay. Pretty good debut. I'd say. And his second movie was Adams family values. Right. We're, we're coming out strong. His third movie uh, is a movie that I haven't seen called Get Shorty, which I think he did win an award for. His fourth movie was Men in Black. Wow. Now we're going somewhere, right? Now we're getting okay. there. And then he directed a failed pilot. Then he directed... da 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 Wild Wild West. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. Which he followed up with the pilot of the, I think, the original Tick TV series, which, all right, okay. And then he did a a, a flop called Big Trouble. Uh, and then he did another flop called Men in Black 2. And now we're in the 2000s. Um, was Men in Black 2 a flop? Men in Black 2 was a critic. I would say it was a critical flop in that it was okay. bad. And no one it had to it. have made money. After uh, Wild Wild West and Big Trouble and Men in Black 2, he followed it up with, and I don't know if you remember this movie, but I remember this movie, RV, starring Robin Williams. 
Um, I don't remember this movie, but it sounds like it's a movie about a road trip with a comedian in it. So I, yep, I know the kind of movie. This and this is 2006, so we got like five of these movies around this time. It's it's right. a very, and I I don't think this was the worst one, but it definitely wasn't the best one. In that all of them were bad. I was I was about to ask what the best one was. Okay, so so after RV for he does a lot of TV stuff with good reason, uh, and then he did Men in Black Three, which was pretty good. Men in Black Men in Black Three was solid, surprisingly good movie. One of the best time travel movies. Probably the strongest Men in Black movie. I would say definitely the I would I would say definitely the strongest Men in Black movie. It it was it surprised me how good it was. It made you it made you forget that one of the main characters was actually not in it almost the whole movie. He was not in it. For, he was in it for like 5 minutes, but guess what? Those 5 minutes played very well. Mm-hmm. He's an old man, I get it. <laughs> like he, he can only do so much. But back to Barry Sonnenfeld, because the last thing that Barry Sonnenfeld has done is direct 10 episodes of a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. Oh, wow. So his career, I would say, has a, has a lot of low lows and some good high highs. There's sort of a lot of Adam Samley energy in a series of unfortunate events. There is. It's that kind of that same goth tone. Yeah, and well, they have the kind of the same comedic timing. Yeah, so that's interesting, especially when considering that, like, I wouldn't compare A Series of Unfortunate Events to Wild Wild West, for instance. <laughs> I wouldn't compare Wild Wild West to anything. Although, we did well, get Wild Wild one... West is, like, a worse Men in Black. It's, like, it's a it's a buddy cop movie in the Wild West with Will Smith. And, steam and, pu- and steampunk. And steampunk instead of space punk, or whatever you call sci-fi stuff. I think the villain in that movie, either the villain in that movie or the or the white cop in that movie was uh, Professor Lockhart, and I don't remember which. I think he was the villain, though. Okay, I think you're right. It's been a long time, and I've only seen it once. We we did get one thought. good thing out of that movie, though, because as part of, because Will Smith also did, I think, like, the title theme of that movie. Are you per- going to say the one good thing we got out of Wild Wild West was the song Wild Wild West? No. Maybe. Andy. <laughs> and when he performed it live, he rode onto the stage on a horse. And that's pretty dope. It takes a lot. Riding a horse is hard, according to people who have to ride horses for Hollywood. As a person who has ridden horses, I don't think it's that hard. I've ridden a horse, and it wasn't hard. I assume if you're going to ride a horse onto a stage, you want the calmest horse possible. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's hard to ride the calmest horse possible. The horse did look pretty calm. He looked pretty calm. All right, now we can talk about the Addams Family movie. Now we've made it. We've made it through that list of movies. Let's jump in. My first thought was, Andy's having us watch a Christmas movie. I I got so scared that I thought this was going to be like a Nightmare Before Christmas scenario. Where I was like, ah, oh, shit, did I forget that this was actually a Christmas movie? But it's not. It just starts on a Christmas carol and seemingly scalding some carolers. The amount uh, to which these movies portray murder as being very funny Mm. is very high. My issue with the carolers is the gate had to have let them in. And then they they scalded them or killed them. This is clearly a pre-planned crime, right? I mean, certainly. 
the thing the thing about the Adams is always getting away with murder is they seem to have their own set of morals, which is something like we as a group of like weirdos and freaks of have goths. Been, Let's just say it of goths have been. Um, you know, I'm gonna step out here and say it: the Adams family <laughs> are goths. They're goths. Uh, <laughs> I'll be the like, brave one. <laughs> at me on twitter have been persecuted and like we look after our own type of thing we're so so it's it's it sort of feels like every time they do some vile act in this movie at least in the first one it is because the world has historically been set against them this is less so in the second one where just sometimes shit happens it so the first one it feels like they historically they've been doing their own thing and their own thing has always been the thing not to do to survive right well they they much later they we walk through the uh, uh the graveyard yeah and which fantastic set design here yes morticia gives a full rundown of each of the family members and how they were killed usually by mobs Mm-hmm. Usually by mobs, yeah. in in what is a surprisingly touching scene with some very solid delivery on her part. This a lot of this movie, a lot of this movie is just like the the director and cinematographer and casting director clearly being excited about Raul Julia and Angelica Houston just making out uh, <laughs> to a degree that's a, on the verge, but never over the point to where it's perverted. But it gets so really close. The- in the very beginning. The very beginning. We are introduced to the sauciest clock. This clock is amazing because A, custom made. I don't know who made this clock, but they made it so that when it, when the bird goes cuckoo instead of a bird going cuckoo, you know, in like a cuckoo clock, right. uh, Gomez Adams kisses his wife, his what do you call those? What would it? What would, miniature Gomez Adams kisses <laughs> miniature Morticia's boobs. That's yep. the thing that it does when the clock strikes whatever time it is. And the thing is, <laughs> this clock has struck. I don't know, twelve or eighteen or some very long number because at most twenty three. <laughs> because it just like. It goes for a while. It makes a smooching noise, too. Yes. And I think that's the part that made me uncomfortable. Yeah. I have an issue in this movie with Thing having some very bad camera angles or, like, camera tricks that, like, aren't working at all. It's clear that this was the hardest thing they had to do in terms of special effects. Everything else in this movie is practical to an amazing degree, but at the end of the day, when you gotta make a hand do hand things, it can't, I guess they couldn't do a puppet for some reason. In, I don't know if they couldn't do this, but in like modern filmmaking, you think you just have somebody in a green suit with a handout. Okay, so, so that technology did exist by this point, uh-huh. but uh, because it was invented in Star Wars, it, but back then it was a blue screen. Um, but, the, I think the issue isn't necessarily that they did it badly so much as I don't think they had the money or time to do it well. Because there are moments when it looks really good, but the camera angle choice is bad. Mm-hmm. And there are other moments when it looks really terrible, 
but the camera choice is good. Like the scene where it's running down the hall, that looks like it would have been a pretty easy scene to do, but for some reason they just recorded a blank hallway and then put the hand in afterwards. And so, and so it moves really weird. It like moves out of sync well, with it, the It has floor. that slippage that we complained about in um, in um, the princess movie. Swan, Swan, Swan Lake? But the Swan CGI princess. one. Is it called Swan? Oh, the, the Swan uh, ballet princess. is called Swan Lake, yeah. Thank you. In the seat, we, we sorry, can... I just I just shivered for a second. <laughs> just look, just those rubbery faces. Could you imagine if this movie looked like that? Well, it does in 2019, but good. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where the special effect is clearly bad, but at the same time, because of the nature of the movie's comedic tone, it's fine. Like I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of happy that it's so ridiculous. Oh, uh, I just think that that for some reason or another, that gets better in the second movie. It does. It does look a lot better in the second movie, which is weird because the second movie has harder shots. So I don't know. Maybe they could just afford to spend more time on it. Well, this movie did have a pretty difficult production. They went $5 million over budget. And so it was originally produced by 20th Century Fox, who then sold it to Orion Pictures, who then sold it again to uh, Paramount. I think it was a very tough production so we are introduced i want to i want to i want to introduce the characters as we see them but i did not make a note of which characters were introduced well we saw thing first and then we see um we see gomez next no we see the uh oh what's his lurch yeah lurch the butler next i I forget what he's doing but he's at like a door isn't he doing something and the hand kind of slides past him yeah or something he might be playing piano. He's often doing that. He's often, yeah, watering plants, I think, for most of these movies. Lurch is kind of a disappointing character in that he doesn't, he's the most interesting to look at, um, as long as you discount Morticia as extremely interesting to look at for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Lurch, you know, has, like, facial prosthetics and stuff. Yeah. He looks like Frankenstein's monster. He doesn't do anything. Carol Streakin just kind of looks like that, actually. Really? Yeah, he's just this tall, uh, weird-looking dude. He's been he's been a character actor, uh, because of his look, I think, since Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. But he he's been in a lot of stuff. Just when you need, I think, before the guy who played the fish monster in the fish fucking movie, he was the guy you got if you needed a weird tall dude. We meet Gomez Adams finally. I forget what he's doing. I actually think that this is sort of the moment that we are first introduced to sort of the main crux of the movie, which is the fact that Uncle Fester is dead. Yes, he is looking at Uncle Fester's old room. Fester is dead, and Gomez is almost as sad about it as he is horny for his wife. So so he's super sad about it, and then I love how we meet how we how we meet Morticia because mm-hmm. she is just lying on a bed. And, like, the camera is, like, above her at a perfect 90-degree angle. And I'm just like, did we really have to use this angle? Why couldn't she just, you know, walk onto the set? Why this way? But um, a lot of kissing happens here. Well, and this is an interesting... I don't remember who pointed this out to me. But somebody pointed out to me that um, uh, Gomez Adams is one of the only, like, uh, uh, sitcom family dads... Who seems to, like, love his love wife. Love his wife. Yeah. Well, and I guess I do think that that's part of the 
part of the joke is yeah it's like it's like part of the joke is is that they are that they are so in love that it's like gross but like also that's not that weird and it's like that's way better than the opposite right so fun fact apparently this joke of like husbands not loving their wives was started in the roman times like apparently in rome it was expected that a husband and a wife would not like each other that right because it's like this is just a marriage of convenience we're gonna have kids and then we're gonna you know go fuck other people so much so that uh one of julius caesar's greatest rivals like fell in love with julius caesar's niece like actually loved her and was made fun of for being in love and for being faithful to his wife for being faithful to his wife i remember this story <laughs> how things have not changed right like now we're watching this movie in 1991 where the it's the same joke is this man loves his wife and that's like the joke isn't that he loves his wife the joke is that this is weird yeah why is this weird it's uncomfortable but it shouldn't be weird but it's also sort of framed, especially later, that the Adamses are, like, more right than normal people. It's more right that he loves his wife, or that they can't stand children's recitals. <laughs> Which, fair, nobody at that recital is actually having a good time. But but all the other parents are, like, chatting and clapping, and they're just, like, sitting there like, God, this sucks. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'd be into that. They'd be super into that, they'd actually. Be, uh, the dialogue between Gomez and Morticia is, they dial up that horniness, like, to 10 and then to 11, and then they break the knob off. Like, every time they talk to each other, they are, like, at peak horny, and it is kind of amazing. I think it was in the second movie, but I think my my favorite line of, and there's so much of this. There there's is so a lot. much of it. But Pick one, one out of the hat, what, they're all great. <laughs> One of my favorites is uh, Morticia says something like, you you still love me, the old ball and chain? And Gomez says, always. She's like, go get them. <laughs> yeah, just a ton of lines like that that are genuinely, they're genuinely fun. They're good jokes. Yes. Um, and like I said, just pick them out of a hat. They're all good. Do we meet Tully before the children? Or is he just in my notes and... And Wednesday and Pugsley are no, because we or Pugsley, Pugsley, it's Pugsley. Pugsley, Pugsley, yes, because we see them. We aren't really introduced to them as characters yet, but they're not really characters in this movie until about the middle, the middle of it. Yeah, but they are playing in that they're doing sort of a sort of a spin on the whole William Tell joke, except Pugsley has the apple in his mouth. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. That I do think that that happens after we meet Tully. Okay, so Tully, who I pretty easily marked as the villain, but put that in a question mark. He's, I wouldn't say he's the villain so much as he's a bad person. He's kind of the most fascinating character to me, because in a weird way, he's like the audience's eyes in, because he's normal. Quote unquote. But he's normal, but he has been to the Adams house so often that he's not surprised by any of the shit there. He's just annoyed by it. I would have preferred it if his character... I don't know. It's one of those things where, like, I don't like it that he's... Because he's not the villain at the beginning of the movie, but by the end of the movie, he's, like, he basically the villain. Is. Yeah. And it's it, it, it there's, like, a weird moment in the middle of the movie where that happens that I didn't like. Yeah, where there's, like, a turn where suddenly he is making all the plans and comes up with a pretty solid plan and then by the end kind of is a side villain again 
there's something super cool of of having kind of the one normal person in the weird you know what it is it's fucking hotel transylvania right where you have a normal person who's kind of like i'm okay with all of this but i haven't seen hotel transylvania really that's and and i would guess that's that hotel transylvania is kind of the adams family no is uh, it not I know that Adam Sandler is Dracula, but... It's more like Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers. Have you seen that one? I don't think so. That's the one where we find out that Shaggy's related to a, to a Confederate captain or colonel. Oh. I know Sha- Shaggy is old money. He is old money. And he, in fact, he's Southern Plantation money, unfortunately. Yikes. Which, dis- I'm glad you disavowed your inheritance, Shaggy. Like, man, my uncle was racist. Shaggy's happy. He believes in being free. So. He... <laughs> I, I just, I'm going to take that sentence in that you said and just file it away at the top of the class that I took on racial inequality in the 70s. <laughs> I should really hold on to that. So here comes Tully, the villain. Well, not yet. At this point, he's a mark. He's he's a con man. He has a fight with the gate, but that's what I really what I really found interesting about him is he had a fight with the gate, but he wasn't surprised by the gate. He was fighting mm-hmm. with the gate. He's Gomez's lawyer, but he's been he's been his lawyer for a while now because yes. his wife mentions that the that the the Adams are his only client left, and also he is under the thumb of of the villain of of the actual villain for some loan, I guess, which. Why would a lawyer need loans? To start up his firm, maybe? I don't know. It's Or for school. The movie doesn't need to go into it, and it doesn't, but, you know, it's one of those things. He gets in and he fights Gomez, because apparently that's how Gomez just greets him every time. I I do love that Gomez just, just fences people. That's his thing that mm-hmm. he does, is he fences people. That's pretty dope. Fencing is a lot of fun, although he is fencing with real swords. He is. Which is less fun. Because they're or real. more fun if you're into that. If you're into that, I just don't know. Like a real sword, <laughs> it would hurt. Gotta stop making the bim bam jokes. <laughs> oh my god, I do. At this point, we get one of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, when he's just—they're dis- talking about his brother and how um, basically uh, Tully is basically trying to get gomez to just give him a million dollars so that he can quote unquote open up like a charity in his brother's name Mm -hmm. to which gomez tells him we only talk about business in the fourth quarter which is fair because that's the end of the fiscal year when you want to start making big transactions like that it it seems like if tully knew he could get a million dollars at the end of the quarter that's what he could have told what's her face Mm -hmm. could have been like just give me to the end of the quarter i will have a million dollars like i said i do think he's just a bad lawyer he seems to be bad at this i think that's why the adams use him is because they know he's terrible and they don't want a good lawyer because they hate lawyers it seems like they kind of like him because they know he's slimy but also that like it seems like they could outsmart him if necessary. Well, so so something about this is that the Gomez, everyone treats the Gomez, or sorry, the Adams, the Adams. family. Gomez is a last name, is a traditionally a surname in Spanish, which is why I'm Gomez keep... sounds like a last name. It yes. is it, it is traditionally a surname, but in, in this case, it's a first name. So I'm going to get mixed up a bit. The Adams family are portrayed by everyone who isn't in Adams as being a bunch of idiots. But then you realize like they're not, they're just weird. And that's yeah. kind of part of this part of this stigma is because they're weird they obviously must be dumb 
which has been a traditional truth historically. So it's 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 interesting. But in this moment, when they're talking about his brother, I think uh, Gomez says something along the lines of, some called him inhumanely evil. I called him brother. <laughs> this might have been earlier in the movie, but I, it's around this point, and I love that line. Yeah, I think it was then, because then Tolly said something about like something weirdly redeeming. Yeah. I like the line that he said, kind with animals, so good with children. They never proved anything. <laughs> oh, man. Also, at the same time that this is happening, Tully's wife, whose name I don't think I got, which is too bad because she comes back in the next movie. And and has the best character arc in this one. She's uh, Margaret. Margaret Alford. Is getting donations from morticia for the widows and orphans fund according to morticia we need more of them (laughs) (laughs) which i thought was a way for her to also get some money out of the atoms but later it turns out that that's just like a legitimate thing that she's also doing while her husband is scamming them particularly oh so this is the golfing scene which i think is a good scene uh it's it, this is the most i think sitcommy scene of the movie is is because you know you got the angry neighbor yeah just 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 say i, I, I want to get totally out of the house the one thing that's important is that we see gomez go down to the vault but we we just like hear animal noises oh he's definitely lion taming in there there's like whips and stuff yes and then he comes out with all this doubloons is like spanish doubloons these are like some pirates of the caribbean ass doubloons yes that he gives tolly and then tolly leaves now we can go to your to 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 the golfing scene basically gomez spends his time doing some uh driving range practice on his balcony he's so good that he can drive his shot past the cemetery all the way into his neighbor's second story dining room who the fuck has a second story dining room Maybe all the bedrooms are on the floor, Andy, for fire safety. What? Think about it. No. But if there's a fire at <laughs> night, then everybody can get out easier. What? No. Tap from a temple. First of all, it's not a kitchen. It's a dining room. Well, he probably also has a second story kitchen if he's got a second story dining room. Otherwise, that'd be insane. No, it's insane. Unless he's got a dumb waiter, which he might. Well, so that's the thing. I'm going to map out this house. Keep talking. Okay, I just don't understand the logistics of having a dining room on your second story. Because that means when people come to your house to eat, they have to go further into your house to eat. That's your thing? I don't know about you, but when people come to my house, they shouldn't have to enter the hallway. You know, that leads to the bedrooms. The farthest they should go is the first door on the right, which is the bathroom. Isn't that a thing that you don't want people just fucking wandering around your house? Nah, nah, you're just weird. Okay, cool. I just... You have to have one bathroom open to throw coats there. Bathroom, bedroom. You have to have one bedroom open to throw coats there. Yeah, that's why Don't you throw your coats hanger. in the bathroom. People Get need a to coat poop. Hanger. Nobody gets a coat hanger. You could throw them in the in the bathtub because nobody should be taking a shower. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> or pooping in the bathtub. This is... These are both bad things that people shouldn't be doing, so put some coats in there. I hate this reality that you've Sorry. created. Sorry. I just want, that has to have happened, right? Not shitting in a bathtub. I know for a fact that that's happened. But like, do you think anybody has ever gone to another person's house? And shit in the bathtub? No, and I know that that's <laughs> happened. And taken a shower? Well, yeah. Because that... Sometimes you have to shower at somebody else's house, man. 
But you're but like if you're doing it in like a like hey I invited all of my friends to this casual Christmas party and then one of them went upstairs and took a shower. Yes, that's definitely happened. Yes, it's fucking weird. You're breaking so many like social rules at that point. What if you get something spilled on you but no. you're living in a rom-com? Mm-hmm. Oh, and then it's like but there's only one shower. <laughs> we have to share. You can just take turns, you idiot. Well, no, then it's like, you go to the shower at your friend's house because something got spilled on you. But then, the person who hates you but is now feels bad that they spilled something on you mm. takes your clothes up. But oops, you're still naked. Because of course you are, because they have your clothes. Mm-hmm. So, Wait, did they you wash your clothes while you were taking a shower? Or did they get you new clothes? These are borrowed clothes from the house. Oh, you know, who, you know whose clothes they are? They're her already. ex-boyfriend's clothes that he yep. had left. That's who it is. We are writing an amazing, uh, what channel would want this? Hallmark channel, maybe? We could definitely Hallmark. Oh, easily P.S. And then she Very works. off topic. <laughs> the Adamses are people who are, who are very open about their love and don't need a rom-com. They don't need a rom-com. We're gonna pitch this to Hallmark. Probably the gonna... most villainous thing that Gomez Adams does is constantly shoot golf balls into his neighbor's house. He could just shoot them somewhere else. He could literally just turn 90 degrees and shoot them into what seems to be an endless plains behind his house. This, there must be a reason for this, but he doesn't actually seem to dislike his neighbor. I think he thinks it's fine. Yeah, he might just think it's fine. Like, it, I feel like if his neighbor had gone on his roof, put down a golf ball, and driven it into his window, he'd be like, good shot, man! He probably would, yeah. By the way, Chekhov's neighbor... We're going to put him up on that fucking shelf and we're going to see him later. I did not expect to see him again. And it was a solid payoff. It's a solid bit. So now we get to meet Christopher Lloyd. Oh, who, man. In the beginning of this movie, I thought had a very unusual role for Christopher Lloyd. But by the end of the movie, I think he fits into it well. The thing is, Christopher Lloyd always plays somebody weird. But the, he's always somebody who's like independently weird. Here's the thing about Christopher Lloyd is that a, I think he's just always been like this. Because <laughs> I've seen him in so many movies from like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest to Back to the Future, this. Anytime he walks on screen and he just Christopher Lloyds it up, it's like, man, you've just always been like this. Obscurely old and weird. <laughs> like, because I don't think... I don't think Christopher Lloyd was ever young, right? Like, he was like, uh, he's like Benjamin Button. He's just always been 40 or 70 and loud. What's the John Mulaney quote? Yeah. Oh, right. He's somewhere right. between 30 and 80. We don't actually know. But uh, but I will say something weird, that, which is that Christopher Lloyd doesn't work this fat suit very well. Because mm-hmm. Christopher Lloyd is clearly a very thin man. Christopher Lloyd's a thin dude. He... Um, Uncle Fester must have already been a character in the older Adams family, right? He So he is, in fact, he is a character in, if you just, like, go, if you just click on his name there's a photo of him in the original sitcom and he is he's got a look and clearly they wanted that look but that's just not what christopher lloyd looks like by the way christopher lloyd 80 and like still doing it man like he's still working christopher lloyd plays gordon a dude who is like like as soon as i saw him i was like oh this guy is an adams and totally thought exactly the same thing well, so Gordon, who has a terrible perm, is specifically like the son and the muscle of uh, yes. of the lone shark, who is our villain, whose name is Abigail Craven. 
the hunter. Um, no, it's just Abigail Craven. <laughs> Abigail Craven, the yeah. hunter. Everyone's favorite Spider-Man turned Squirrel Girl villain, Craven the hunter. Turned superhero. What? He's had a cool arc, actually. What? I thought he died. In Squirrel Girl. Uh, I think he did for a while. He was dead for a while. So back to this movie. It's not that we don't want to talk about this movie. It's a good movie. It's just that it's this movie has a lot of people in it who did a ton of other stuff. Wait till we talk about Street Fighter. So I've been getting very sidetracked. The, so the loan shark basically has loaned Tully thousands of dollars. Maybe a million, since that's the number he wants. No, but she we don't, says thousands. We don't know for sure, right? Okay. Thousands. It could be hundreds of thousands, but I think it's below the tens of thousands. So maybe he was just going for millions because, you know, if you're going to aim high, aim high. Gordon is her, like, son slash muscle. He does all of the heavy lifting for her, and she does all the sitting around and being sometimes British, sometimes American, and definitely not German. <laughs> Damn. Shots fired. I was just really confused. Yeah, so um, they hatch a plan because she realizes that the Adams are rich and totally realizes that Gordon looks exactly like fester the missing adam's brother yes Tully and his wife what what the hell is her name again i'm just gonna write it down abigail 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 or we could just call her craven because that's a good no no no. craven's not the it's too cool for this white no no no. not abigail then his his wife Tully's wife sorry oh i'm so sorry Tully's wife is um margaret Margaret. Uh, another real yes. basic white lady name. Like, so sorry for anyone named Margaret, but like that is, it, it's a real like blending in with the the trees kind of name, you know? As white people always do. It leaves your brain the moment you're not looking at it. White people are known for blending in with the trees. Okay, listen. We are known for our oneness with nature above all things. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Listen, we're going to talk about Native American shit in the next movie. We don't have to get to it now. They go to like the 25th anniversary of the Fester seance. So here's the thing. Gomez, for a lot of this movie, you think that he totally straight up just murdered his brother and then they just say he's missing until this point when you realize that they just got into a fight 25 years ago and he hasn't seen him since and i guess assumed he was dead or is using ghosts to try to get to him it it is weird that he's assumed to be dead i guess 25 years is a long time for somebody to be missing but they had a fight and then he disappeared could mean he never wanted to talk to him again but then if they had a fight and he disappeared and then like never came back for their parents funeral or something it's not clear it's not 100 percent clear to me what the time yeah when the mob got to the parents got to what was it mom mom's and dadums you know what (laughs) according to morticia the kids knew them a little so they must have died after 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 he left okay yeah so it, it's clear that there's some history here and so they do the seance and tully's there and his wife is there and who's that knock knock knocking at the door yeah with a very well-timed knock because <laughs> so almost suspiciously well-timed mother um oh, what is her name her name's just grandmama grandmama uh who we did not introduce but she's like uh she's morticia's mother and she's like an old witch just picture an old witch you got it hold on to that that's her she she like yells for a knock and then somebody knocks so it's pretty solid good planning i suppose but because you never know with spirits you gotta ask again to be sure (laughs) like this is seance 101 
they got to do it twice, otherwise is it even real? Well, that's that's just science, Andy. Mm-hmm. If you can't repeat it, it's not provable. Exactly. So if it, but but they ask, and he knocks again, and Gomez stands up and is like, "He's at the door." In the hammiest, I think, line delivery of this movie, it's very good. Raúl Julia does a fantastic job in both of these movies as Gomez. Everybody in this movie is sort of given brain to ham things up which is kind of fun you know i will say though right that like i think in this movie gomez and morticia have some very poignant scenes together and also alone that the subtleness of them is kind of great because of how over the top they are all at all other times they show a surprising amount of range like bruce wayne at the end of batman crying over selena kyle what you don't remember that bit you and i were both like wow adam west can act Oh, yeah, sorry. You said that, and I was immediately, like, trying... I was going, like, backwards in time from the most recent Batman movie, and I was going through them, like, one by one, like, okay, Catwoman was in that one, but she didn't die. Catwoman was in that one, but she didn't die. Catwoman was in that one, but she didn't die. She just disappeared and then came back, not dead. Catwoman was in that one, but she didn't die. So it would have taken me a while to get all the way there. Like, I was going through the animated ones, too. I was like, when? When did she die? I I couldn't think of Adam West off the top of my head, so I said Bruce Wayne, and that was a mistake. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah, Adam West, yes. And I think great, like truly great comedic actors, I think are always the ones that we're surprised that they can act good. Mm -hmm. But we shouldn't be because being a comedian, I think is, especially in a comedy movie, is harder than just acting. But it looks easy. It's just that like a failed dramatic movie is easier to get along with than a failed comedy movie. Yeah. So somebody who, who plays comedy should be able to play drama because it's it's easy it's it must be a little bit harder to get a laugh than it is to just get an emotion across i i think in a lot of ways good comedy is like good special effects and it's that if it really really works you don't notice the attempt you don't see the work right the effort that goes into that performance usually because i think that's one of the great the magical things about robin williams and other actors who are just naturally comedic is they make it look so easy like why can't everyone just act like that Kind of like like Robin Williams and Raul Julia in this film, always we're always surprised by their their depth of subtlety. I like mm-hmm. it. It's good. It feels good. Gordon and his mother come in mm-hmm. with this BS story about him being found. What was it in a fishing line in in a, in a fishing net? She found him caught in a fishing net twenty five years ago, and that he was lost in the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, but then, but he and but he had amnesia until recently. Uh, and now she's here to bring him home. And Tully's wife. Uh, Tully pr- probably should have discussed this grift with See, his wife. Stuff like this is why it, 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 it's like the, the not being able to trust your spouse are think are they break marriages apart, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this this lack of trust in her to go along with this plan is is a hint of things to come. Why did he take her? If she Do wasn't this. on the plan. If she wasn't I, in on it. I guess t- I guess at you this know what? point he I can't... know why. I know why. It's because he enjoys when she is distressed. That's and true. And she was very distressed during this. Well, I do love his his because she starts going off about how ridiculous this is, and the way he gets her is he gives her so earlier in the film, the Oh yes. my god, we completely skipped the The finger trap? Yeah, but also the uh the sale of the finger trap. Which is just another. So whoa, they have whoa, this... whoa. did we get to the sale of the finger driver? Yeah, because that oh, happens we... before this point. It has no, to. For, or no, no, the scene no, doesn't because, happen. 
No, no, no. Because <laughs> no, you're wrong. Am I? The the reason she brings the finger trap to this. Oh, this must be the reason she's with him too. The reason she brings a finger trap is because she has it caught on her oh, finger. Oh, right, 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 right. That's correct. And so Wednesday gets it off of her. Uh, so the the Adams have this uh, Chinese finger trap uh, that they're donating, and she puts it between her fingers and gets stuck. When they come back, Wednesday gets her out of it, like Tony just said. Right now, when she's talking about how ridiculous the story is, he says, so how does this work? And he, like, hands it back to her, and she immediately gets herself stuck in it again. It's a great joke, and it's... It happens so fast that I almost didn't have time to appreciate it. Clearly, he like he's been married to this woman for a long time, and he kind of knows her. And I do think you're right. I think she enjoys her inability to cope with the Adamses, which is ironic. So she leaves the the mom. Yeah, craving. everybody. It seems like now Fester is getting settled in. I don't remember. I don't think there's another scene before he starts just putting his stuff in his room, which is one of my favorite scenes in that. We get, like, good subtle stuff from Morticia. But also, he's, like, worried that his cover's about to be blown because in his suitcase is a bunch of murder utensils. Yeah, you know, chainsaws, crowbars. And again, this was the point I was like, oh, this is actually Fester. Because nobody else would have all this bullshit. And he's, like, not reading the situation at all. He is convinced he's been found out. He He's constantly afraid that they found him out and... <laughs> It's funny in a way that how how he doesn't seem to realize like that this is their normal mm -hmm. is like, of course, he's going to come home with a bunch of murder weapons. She helps him unpack his arsenic and then looks at him and says, as though we'd run out. <laughs> Which is a great line. Yes. Um, later on in the movie, I think he's on the phone with with uh, his his not mom. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, while he's on the phone with her. um Pugsley comes up to him with a bottle of cyanide and arsenic, and he looks and he's like, "Oh, cyanide, arsenic, blah, blah, blah. go, go with the arsenic, go with the arsenic." Yes. <laughs> and it's it's another one of those jokes that happens so quickly that you don't really have time to appreciate it. But it's because in the background, Wednesday is tied to a chair, <laughs> which that was the moment where I realized that sometimes Pugsley messed with Wednesday, and it wasn't always just her messing with him. It's it's the eternal sibling rivalry, right? Right. One of them tortures one, and then the other one tortures the other. But for some reason or another, um, maybe just because it's funnier when it's Wednesday, torturing Pugsley, it's they usually highlight her messing with him. Um, for instance, in the next scene that I have written down, where they play a game called, it's called, Is There a God? Oh, that, oh, that, that's amazing. <laughs> the line delivery, like the camera close-up and everything is fantastic. Christina uh, Ritchie, I think is her name. Uh, I don't think this was her like first role, but I do think this was like her breakout role. Like this is the movie that kind of where she like popped and became a, a name in Hollywood. Oh man. So we get, he's unpacking and he's lying down in bed and he's kind of like trying to get accustomed to being in this situation and doing the thing, the good thing of being in this situation of pretending to be another person and looking around the room for clues to how this person acted. Yep, that was very good because he got he got a lot of good stuff. He got the camp that he and his brother went to as a kid for for uh, what was it for was it I think it was like double offenders or something like that. Yeah, something like that for multiple offenders. Mm -hmm. Um, he got a picture of flora and fauna, the girls who he had a falling out with his brother over. Right, they were they were the reason. 
I can't remember if there was any other big thing, but those helped him a lot. He tried to, so he tried to leave the room to explore the house, but then, you know, Wednesday was just standing, because Wednesday and then Morticia are suspicious of him from the go, right? Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Wednesday says Morticia is suspicious of him, but I never really see her as actually being suspicious of him. So, and 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 I do think that this is good writing and not a mistake. I think Wednesday thinks that Morticia thinks he's faking it, but what's actually happening is is that Morticia isn't suspicious that he isn't Fester, but is suspicious that he is because she spends the whole movie like talking to him about being an Adams and what it means to be an Adams. Right. And is he the Adams that we know or is he the Adams that he that he wants to be and stuff like that? And she's like pushing him towards figuring out who he really is. The way this kind of, in my mind, breaks a little bit is so I can understand the kids being suspicious of him because they've never met Uncle Fester before. But if my brother was gone even for 25 years... And then came back. I thought you were going to say even for 20 minutes. Well, if he was gone for 20 minutes, I think I'd be able to tell if it was him. But even if he was gone for 25 years and then he came back, I would like to think that I'd be able to say, yeah, that's my brother. And like Morticia and Gomez both know Fester. I think, again, since Gomez and Fester are falling out over a girl, it's not clear. But Morticia seems to be very comfortable, not only around him, but like, Around the twins. Around, yeah, yeah, and, like, around the idea of him. Like, him being in the house, she, like, talk. I mean, I mean, like, the idea of him being back in the house, like, like, it's familiar. I don't know, yeah, I don't know to what extent, there's, I, there's a lot of, like, lore that we, just, that we just don't have. We just, we just don't know. It's almost like this should be a TV show. Or maybe, like, a long-running series of comic strips. Or something. Maybe, something yes. long-form. Um... <laughs> At the same time, I think that people think that they, if they hadn't seen somebody for a long time, they would recognize them. And maybe for the most part, we would. But how many times, like, have you seen somebody from a couple years ago where you see someone and you go, is that actually that person? And there's doubt, right? Like, or you see somebody like in Walmart and you're like, is that my fourth grade teacher? Here's the thing. I, I, it's basically impossible for me to recognize faces. So like, what the fuck do I know? <laughs> well, and that's the thing is, is like, as a person who like, I'm really, really good at recognizing faces. So Ooh. good that I recognized an actor in the next movie. The moment I saw him, even though he is 20 years younger, the moment I saw him, I was like, oh, this is that guy. Cool. Um, and then I looked it up All and right, I was right. Wait. Which that guy? Uh, the love interest in the next movie. The kid? Yeah. he's So that kid is uh, A, the elf in the Santa Claus, and B, he was the main character in the hit, quote-unquote hit, TV show Numbers, spelled with a three, which I oh, loved watching. He has been playing the same role for a long time, huh? Mm, yeah, like nerdy, adjacent to Jewish because he is Jewish, and that's just kind of the role he's played all, for a right. long time, yeah. The elf wasn't Jewish, probably. Unless the elf was Jewish, that elf that he played. In it, which it's case... possible. I think, I would like to think that... Is it possible, under, though? I would like to think that even if they are, you know, enslaved to this dude, that maybe he gives them freedom of worship. Like, at least give them that much. Who knows? Okay, though? but how do you be Jewish while working for Santa Claus? Santa Claus isn't inherently, like... 
he's he just because he's like a Christian saint doesn't mean anything. Clearly, he's just a magical dude who fucking flies around and gives people gifts. That's not oh, he's just a magical dude who flies around and gives people gifts. That doesn't disprove the existence of your god. Well, it's not whether or not it disproves the existence of your god, it's whether or not it proves the existence of your god's kid. No, it definitely doesn't, because St. Christ- uh, what was his name? Nicholas. St. Nicholas had absolutely nothing to do with Jesus, and also Santa Claus, especially in that movie, has nothing to do with St. Nicholas. He's just fucking... I mean, you have to assume that the original Santa Claus was St. Nicholas, and one day somebody killed him. Buzz Lightyear... It's just Buzz Lightyear in a fat suit. I think that elves can be Jewish. I'm going to stand for for this for some reason. Anyway, the point is he was in Numbers, and the moment I saw him, I was like, that's the guy from Numbers. That's not the point. The point is, Thing comes into the room, and like, I don't know what with Fester, but Fester is screaming his head off, and everybody else is like, oh, that's nice. It's just like old times. And then we get to the next day. That's why I figured Morticia knew Fester. Because the idea of him screaming his head off in the other room made her smile. It really makes you wonder what the sequence of events is. A lot of things don't add up. I think it very likely that Morticia was is part of the Adams clan. Part of, like, the extended cousins. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I don't know, maybe they knew each other for a long time before she and Gomez got together. Because, like, there's no way she's normal. And it turns out Gomez isn't normal, despite what I had originally thought coming into this movie. I don't know. I thought so, too. I definitely remember it. I mean, he's definitely, I think, of them, maybe not in this movie, but in general, the most presentable to society. Well, the kids are perfectly normal-esque, except for the fact that they seem to be able to basically kill each other. Well, and also that it looks like they just walked out of, like, a... 17th century protestant painting well only wednesday does yeah sorry pugsley, pugsley looks like he can walked... be normal you know what really throws me off about pugsley isn't the fact that he wears a striped shirt but that it is a strictly black and white striped shirt if it was red and black i would be like yeah you could wear that to school but white and black is like oh you just escaped some from somewhere i don't know where but you just escaped i mean it's probably because originally it was in black and white, right? Like, it's probably just whatever costume the original Pugly had, Pugsley had. Well, I mean, it was originally a cartoon, right? So, and which also, I think, is traditionally a black and white medium. <laughs> Next day, the thing is sleeping on Fester, so they must have started to get along at some point. Yeah. And he goes down for breakfast, which is some really remarkably disgusting-looking thing that uh, Grandma's made. The food in this movie is so gross that i'm kind of impressed how i'm how it's never the same gross thing it's always a new gross thing it looks like it looks kind of tentacly what they're eating mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like it doesn't look like squid or octopus or something that you would think oh that's not a food i eat but it is food because it's it's got a grime on it like an engine oil and that's that really throws me for a loop because that's a texture i just don't want to have on food at this point gomez takes him to the vault Yes. So the vault is, you have to, I wish we had more time in this library, because this library is cool. This library is more interesting than most magical libraries in most movies. I love magical libraries. Magical libraries are the second coolest thing you can do in a D&D game. That's the coolest thing you can do. I don't, I don't know, but I didn't just want to give it the number one spot without thinking about it. <laughs> so. Sorry, fighting robots. Okay. Yeah, so this this library is awesome, but if you pull out the book 
if you pull out greed, then you open the door to the vault, wherein you go to a room. This is a medieval torture room. It's just shackles hanging from the ceiling. If you pull on the right one, I guess a tube that leads to like a big old water slide will open up. I have to believe that this is what the joke from the Emperor's New Groove was based on. Because <laughs> it's the be same right. joke. It's the same joke. So they go they, they go down this water slide. They end up in a gondola. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. They're like in this underground cave that like fucking like just off screen Gollum is hanging out in. Yes. And the a gondola is very Gomez Adams. But like Fester, he, he like picks up the stick and is, Fester's like afraid he's going to beat him with it. Yeah. Until he... <laughs> He starts going down the gondola. They they end up at the vault. It's like a storage room. What it looks like is an old kids' playroom. Well, it seems like it's what it's where Gomez kept all the stuff from their childhood, and also brandy. And also brandy. Well, he's got his bar. And if you grab the wrong bottle of brandy, then you will open up the actual vault, which has an impossibly immaculate large hoard of gold that is it does so not on brand for the adam's look yeah it it looks very clean and shiny it looks like something i don't know marie antoinette would be into like rococo like white and like Mm. gold gilding super louis the the 14th so then they watch uh old home movies of of the brothers at camp Mm -hmm. what was the camp's name uh, camp. Uh, uh, so I started with an H. I'm not just breathing weird. It started. I wondered what the fuck you were doing. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is how I normally remember words. Is I just camp. start saying like I just camp. start saying it. I, I I feel like a lot of the times words are like vomit. Once you start, it's hard to stop. So. I hate you. <laughs> Oh, man. And also, sentences are a lot like that, too, once you start it. Uh-huh. It's just, you just keep... Mm, okay. They see a video of flora and fauna. Oh, that's right. This is the... They're watching this video of the of the ball. Gomez has apparently just been rocking that mustache look for a while. They do not look that different, either of them, 25 years ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they look pretty similar but gomez this is where gomez like lets it all out he's he like he he confesses that he didn't even love the twins he just felt so jealous of his brother's good looks and charm that he just felt like he had to woo them away from him to prove that he was just as good as his older brother he really sees his older brother i mean this is clearly supposed to be like a comedic thing to say here but after watching the second movie it seems like he sees his older brother in a way that literally nobody else does. In fact, I, I would think he sees his older brother in such a different way in this movie that it's almost like they completely changed his character in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he definitely he definitely sees something in his brother, which is more than most people see. Throughout all this, Fester has been getting some stuff wrong about their relationship and about their history. Just like little stuff. It's not yet enough to make Gomez suspicious. He's but. getting suspicious, but he's not. He still wants to believe that this is his long lost brother, you know, mm. and that this is this is his chance to repent for his sins. Yes. To make amends. I believe it is now time to get into some super expensive foreplay. Okay. So they go to the auction. Right. Okay. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. This is, this is, I think... 
because here's the thing about this this scene of the movie is it didn't have to be in it the rest of the movie works pretty well without it but clearly they just were like we're 10 minutes short what can we do to fill 10 minutes of time we're gonna have them go to this very pretty normal auction to raise charity money and they're just gonna start fucking going to town while bidding on the thing that they donated yep to the charity auction which i think kind of adds to the sort of absurdity of the situation but i don't but the thing i don't like about it is how into it the caller seems to be (laughs) (laughs) he likes to watch andy that's the only reason you ever become an auction barker but here's the thing is and i'm not sure i think the auction barker is the neighbor shit and that just adds like a third layer of wait a minute that cannot be true that's so insane but i because it was just a dude with the mustache right but i but i thought it was which made me so confused because this isn't chekhov's neighbor moment right that happens later but it made me so confused when that happened because i was like wait i thought i thought he was like into watching these two clearly hot people like making out and stuff in public but i guess that out (laughs) is outweighed by his hatred of having golf balls hit him in the face Maybe what he really liked was getting $50,000 for no reason. Oh, like that's what, it's not just watching, it's also the promise of large sums of money that gets him off. I don't like how you ended that sentence, but we are (laughs) sitting here together recording podcasts. But also far apart, if that makes you feel better. It makes you feel a little bit better, but we're closer together than we used to be when we recorded a podcast, and that doesn't make me feel that happy (laughs) at this point. At this so, exact moment. <laughs> so yeah, uh, they start making out hard because of how sexy it is to buy their own stuff back. <laughs> there, there's a lot of uh, like, uh, I think Gomez's like go-to move is kissing her from her hand up her arm to her face. And that to me is such a personal thing to see someone else doing. So on their way back from this, Fester gets his fingers caught in the finger trap. And he asks how can he get it off and Mm -hmm. that's the moment where like everybody except pugsley who kind of just doesn't notice anything kind of looks at each other like "Hmm." yeah gomez basically as soon as they get home starts freaking out um i'm a little confused by this because he's playing with trains oh yeah and yelling about and yelling all of the grievances that he has against this imposter who is not his brother but there are little actual little people it in the seems trains like they're human beings on the trains and and i'm not sure because i'm not sure if he's playing with real trains and he made himself just massive or if he's playing with fake trains and just made people smaller it's also not super clear because it cuts in with kind of weird cam- camera angles um the rest of of the family like reacting to the fact that he's playing with trains even wednesday says oh he's playing with his trains in a way that sounds like this is what he does when he's sad or angry like they seem really worried about it and it's i I guess it's part of the joke but like I, i kind of don't get the joke at all i guess part of the joke is like this might be a thing a normal dad did on a regular day but he's not a normal dad so this is his freak out moment he crashes the trains and they explode and he's 
convinced, like, we need to kick this imposter out of the house. But before he gets to that point, at the same time, Fester is, or Gordon, is trying to get into the vault, but he pulls the wrong lever and is shot out of the house. Morticia finds him outside of the house and she takes him on a tour of the graveyard, which is the hands down best set of the movie. And I'm really sad that it's not in the next one. Yeah, it's really good. Maybe they had to tear it down and it would have cost too much to do it again. It's weird because at some points it feels like a physical set, but at other points it feels like a matte painting. Did you get that feeling? Yeah, because there's there's a scene where Gomez and Morticia are looking out at it, and it's like, that's not a real thing they're looking at. But in other scenes, they seem, everybody seems to be like walking around in it. So I don't know. It's, it, it must be a very good special effect if it is a matte painting. Like it is a great trick that they pulled off. Mm-hmm. I love the statues. They're abstract, but also detailed in ways that are weird. They're not creepy in the way you expect them to be creepy. They're creepy in a different way. Because, you know, they could have just gone the classic, this is a statue of a person and it's crying blood and, ah, the Adams are so weird. Well, or it could be like, the Adams family reminds me a lot of the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney. Sort of a goofy kind of scary. But they don't do what they do at Disney, which is like, you've been on the Haunted Mansion ride, right? I have not, actually. No, the Haunted Mansion ride has this thing where they have paintings of people who used to live at the mansion, and then the paintings start to stretch out, because you're actually in a giant elevator. So the paintings start to stretch out, and it shows you how each of those people died. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool, and it's sort of what that's I would have expected. That's a scene from the movie. Well, no. I mean, yes. No, I'm I'm not saying that they took it from right. the movie. I'm saying the opposite that the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the, the movie because I, I have seen the Eddie Murphy haunted mansion movie. movie. Of course I did. Of course I did. What are Sorry. you talking about? I just two seconds ago told you that I remember Stuart Little too, man. Like, of course right. I watched the haunted mansion movie <laughs> starring Eddie Murphy. Of course I did. Oh, what the hell was I talking about? Oh, so instead of like showing how each of these people died. Mm-hmm. which is sort of what i expected it has more yeah it has more abstract versions of them or versions of their fates they're all in the style of like prehistoric venus figurines which if you've ever you know studied paleolithic statues you know what i'm talking about right well they wouldn't be venus but yes i get what you're saying but yeah because like because like the, their portrayal of anatomy is very exaggerated in ways that are comical mm-hmm. But then at the same time, you have like, I think one of them, like their aunt was was killed by like 15 bullets from a mob. And you see on this like abstract statue, A, her screaming mouth, but B, 15 bullet holes in her torso. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's fun but, and creepy in a fun way as opposed to a creepy way. But the one statue that I want to talk about, and we get the name later, is Uncle Atlas, who is just this massive muscular statue. Did he hold up the sky? <laughs> I don't, I'm so curious about Uncle Atlas. Like, what is his deal? How did he die? By the end of both of these movies, I wanted to know everything about, like, how long has the Adams clan been around? What were their ancestors like? A bunch of stuff like that. Oh, especially, especially when we get to the classroom in this movie, actually. Oh, yeah. Because I had some thoughts. So, what really struck me with this scene was... Morticia walks Gordon, or Fester, if you like, through the graveyard, and like you said earlier, tries to, like, talk to him about what being an Adams is, and she reads the family motto off of his parents' plaque, which is, we gladly feast on those who would subdue us. 
which is a kick-ass motto. Like that and is metal as hell. And it's such a great motto for for people who nobody in there is in there of natural causes. They're in there because people hate them. Because they don't adhere to society. Society shuns them, but they don't. I, I don't know, like, they, while they are disgusted by things in society, I think they're disgusted by things that it's okay to be disgusted by. They're disgusted by things that I'm disgusted by. You know, yeah. And I'm not looked at as weird about it. So I I like the idea of this family who has always been outcasts, and at some point they were like, yeah, but we'll just constantly fight everybody who wants to pick a fight with us. And they live up to this we gladly feast on those who would subdue us in these movies. Oh, yeah. Um, but the thing is, right, is like the, the Adams don't go looking for a fight. They just want to live their lives. It's when other people try to fight them that they're like, they, they swindle like, them, exclusively swindle them. <laughs> is the only thing people ever do to the Adams. Well, I mean, it seems like in the past they would burn them at the stake and other stuff. Well, pulled sure. apart by horses is one of them. Yeah. Which was a pretty classical execution method back in the day. But a sucky one. Yeah, that one's, I think, pretty bad. Gordon has called his mother because he realizes they're onto him. She comes in as the... I don't know if we rightfully establish this, but she claims to be a doctor. A German it. doctor. A German Florida. doctor. Yes, she gives therapy to uh, to Gomez. And she says the reason the reason you suspect Fester of something is is because you... It, what's she call it? Like detachment? Displacement. Something? Displacement. Which is an actual like thing that people do. So his brother's been gone for a long time, and he's felt a lot of guilt about this. So he's putting this guilt on his brother, and now actually suspecting him of stuff. And it's probably a little bit true, is the kind of interesting thing about this. It's also a bunch of bullshit, because Fester is actually trying to con them. It's it's one of those things where it's, it's, it is total bullshit, but I think a part of it is true. Well, it wouldn't work if it wasn't a little bit true, I think. Yeah. Oh, but what I really love is she says she knows what's going on, and it's not pleasant. And Gomez, who has been so, like... Distraught. Bleak and distraught, at the idea of hearing something unpleasant gets really jolly. He's like, oh, great. He sits down and holds his wife's hand, like, oh, we're gonna... Yes. We're about to hear... We're about to hear something that I don't want to hear. <laughs> yeah. That that joke is, I think, a joke that they do constantly, and I really like it every time. Because it's, it's an easy joke to do, but they always put a lot of effort into it yeah and they right. always hit it really well while this is going on fester starts playing with the kids he is abhorred by their lack of uh, by their lack of being able to properly kill somebody yes <laughs> which is like every time that fester had had a scene like this i was like yeah this is actually just fester you can't trick me movie this is clearly him so I hadn't seen this movie in so long that for a while I was like, maybe he's just a weird dude. And nobody's that weird, though, right? But well, but that's the thing is, my thought was the way the movie was going to end was he would confess that he wasn't Fester, but they would still accept him as part of the family because they're the Adams, right? Like, that's mm. what they do is they accept people for who they are, you know, as long as they're not politicians or orthodontists. And I feel like they could have easily done that because of how the ending happens. Fester teaches the kids how to properly stab each other. And then he agrees because he finds out that the reason that they're playing around is that they're practicing for a school play. So he's like, I'm, I'm, I can't do a Christopher Lloyd right now. But he's, he agrees to help them with it. 
you've, you've got to, you've got, I just realized that I just got to say, I've got to go back, Marty, and then I'm in, right? <laughs> you've, you've, you've got to stab him in an artery, Marty. Just stab him right there, right in the artery. Major veins. Wow. There, I found it. <laughs> and that means that later in the movie, I got genuinely sad when Fester refused to go to that play. That, again, Christopher Lloyd, like, this is a scene that's so poignant, because he's, Telling them that he doesn't want to go and he's like in tears. It's so good. And I'm like, I'm, I'm crying with him. I did cry because, you know, I'm just, I'm a, I'm a real baby back bitch when it comes to movies. I just <laughs> sob. They have a plan that they're going to break into the vault during the play because no one's going to be home. So before the Wednesday and Pugsley do their reenactment of, I think, a scene from Othello or Hamlet. It might be the ending scene in Hamlet. think it's Othello. Because I feel like I would have recognized Hamlet a little better than I recognized this. One of them's dressed as a pirate. Is there pirates in Othello? Maybe it's the, uh, what's the one where they get stranded on an island? That one has pirates in it. There's pirates in Hamlet, but but you never see them. So I don't think it's Hamlet. I do love that in the middle of Hamlet, Hamlet has a pirate adventure off screen. But maybe the Tempest? What happens to the Tempest? I think the Tempest is the one where they get stranded on an island um maybe the anyway, tempest whatever it's important. it's a play here's the thing though is before that play is like a bunch of kids dressed up as flowers i want to go before this okay for a second because before this we wednesday's teacher takes morticia aside right that's right and so she's worried about wednesday and we find out that wednesday's hero i didn't write down her name but she's like a great great aunt or something Mm-hmm. So it's someone she's related to who got burned at the stake and she like drew a picture of her being burned at the stake and everybody else's is like a celebrity. And it's like Wednesday's here is someone she's related to who went through massive hardships instead of a celebrity. And even in a normal kid, that would be absolutely great. I would love that. Your hero shouldn't be H.W. Bush. What has he ever done for you personally? It takes a lot of imagination, I think, for a kid to pick a hero that isn't just the president, right? Or right. a famous singer, right? Like, to I do love when she says the fam- the, that singer who is no <laughs> longer famous because I have no idea who that person is. Me neither. I think Morticia's response is, have you spoken to her parents about this? <laughs> like, yes. And, and like, yeah, I, I think if I was a school teacher and a kid was like, my, my hero is this witch who was burned at the stake, I would be so proud of them like this is a kid who has an imagination and they're willing to use it an imagination and and maybe like a reverence for their own ancestors in a way that like you shouldn't have a reverence for a famous singer because who gives a shit because who cares unless unless that famous singer is somebody cool well here's the other thing we're about to get into the next thing which is like the adams kids have a way better play than everybody else and they fucking went to gallagher for their play and also they're just doing a shakespeare scene there so these kids are standing up there on a stage dressed as fucking flowers and i could not for the life of me and i was really trying to figure out what they were singing about it's just one of those like happy songs about love or something but i couldn't like i was desperately trying to make out the words because i was like this is really i'm pretty sure it was a song i knew i couldn't make out like literally I couldn't pick out a single word. And I, and I'm, and to the point where I think that they were, they put a filter over it or something because it sounded so not like human speech. 
I don't think that's true. I think you maybe haven't seen enough kids singing in. in I I have never been. I have never been a part of like a recital or a school play or anything. Ah, see, um, this is the nice thing about having gone to a public school. Is oh, I went to a public school. What are you talking about? Yeah, I didn't. Oh, and oh, I have been in thing? recitals. In private schools, you have recitals. My school definitely had stuff. Because like, I was part of choir, but I never did a recital. We just did choir. You, you were part of choir, but you never did a recital? We just learned how to sing. You were never in front of people? No, we just learned. At one point, I like sang and like applied to like sing in like a national competition. But it was just learning how to sing. I was only in choir for like a year and a half, though. Then the Adams do their thing. This fencing scene from a Shakespeare play that neither of us can identify right now. There is more blood spray than a samurai movie. Oh, we gotta mention this. Fester showed up. Oh, yeah. Fester did show up for the play because he gives them the fake arm that they need to do the final scene. And that's, again, that was really sweet. I got, like, really what? happy when he showed it's, up. It's so nice. Like, it, this is this is growth. This, see, this growth. Mm-hmm. more movies need to have character growth as good as this one because it's visible it's done through action not words the and i'm not being and i know it sounds like i'm being an asshole but i'm not i'm genuinely like this is how you fucking do it <laughs> i know it sounds like i'm being an asshole but i'm not so like this is just what my voice sounds like when i'm being real when i'm being an asshole and also an asshole um which is 99 percent of the time which is why it's hard but I, I i do if more shakespeare plays had blood works like sleepy hollow or an old samurai movie they would be so much fun mm-hmm. like people would buy front row seats for days also it would be easier to take kids to only the Adamses are clapping, even though this was like a solid scene where they both got in like the strikes they needed on each other to make this make sense. And it and it was visible. Contact was made. It was cool. Yes. They didn't stumble over their lines. Their, their was reading great. was a bit stilted, but that's okay. Shakespeare's hard. If I saw this at a school play, I would throw flowers at these children this is exceptional yeah they they were doing great and also so much shorter than the singing flower shit which as a person who (laughs) doesn't want to be in a school play or watching one i appreciate that keep it tight did i mention that the adams have the exact same reaction to singing children that i do the way gomez puts his head in his hands is like i felt that in my soul (laughs) so while this is happening gordon's mom has been captured by one of the plants in the, yeah, in the garden. Yeah, I guess the ivy growing on the, the Adams house. Craven is let out from the plant the next morning. By Lurch. And I guess she's... I don't think she ever explains why she was there, but I don't think anybody finds it that weird that, like, maybe she stopped by that night and got tangled up in the plant. It's a it's definitely, like, a plot hole, but again, the, the tone of this movie is like, who cares? It seems like there's a lot of stuff that, that would be like a red flag for a normal family yeah why are you in my house the adams is ignore because they're because not. they're the because they're the adams because andy i'm starting to think they're not a normal family it's almost like they're this weird kooky family this just this goth family so um she says that uh that Gordon's gotta leave. Right, this is when she says he has to go. He's gotta go. Uh, so they decide to throw a party for for him. Sort of a two-in-one going-away party and a welcome-back party. And they, they're gonna invite everybody. They invite the whole Adams clan, they say. It seems like the Adams clan isn't necessarily Adamses so much as it's anybody who fits in with the Adams family. Here's the thing. 
the atoms proper. None of them is like remarkably inhuman, right? Other other than Grandmama. Right, and Lurch. But Grandmama is not, I believe, in Adams. Yeah, because she's Morticia's mom. Lurch isn't in Adams because he's just their butler. But all the Adams cousins not all the Adams cousins, but many of the Adams cousins. I wouldn't say they're freaks of nature. <laughs> Uh, because that's rude, but a lot of them really did walk out of, like, an old Hammer horror film from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Well, we got Cousin It. Cousin It's the one I knew. The Cousin, one. yeah. Cousin It, I think, is is the one that is, like, around the most. But we, you, we got other cousins and uncles and nieces and nephews around. Yeah, but we got, like, a, there's, like, a hunchback. There's a dude playing a snake. There's, like, a lot of weird shit. And we meet the twins who are... We find out conjoined twins uh, who are also mm-hmm. in a mental who are also in a mental institution. Somehow, we did not find out they were conjoined twins when we had video footage of them. Yeah, it which is some cool editing, I guess. Because they are at an angle where you wouldn't even think. You're just like, oh, they're just standing next to each other. They're just dancing right next to each other. Yeah, <laughs> you know how you do. And it also makes a lot of sense how Gomez Wooed seduced both, both of, of them, them at the same time. <laughs> or why he had to seduce both of them at the same time. <laughs> it's one of those things where, for some reason, it doesn't even cross your mind. And then when you see it, you're like, oh yeah, actually, that makes a lot of sense. I'm the idiot. <laughs> I'm the idiot for not realizing this was two people stuck together. A thing that you see every day. <sighs> It is not a very rare condition. I just feel like the the video evidence earlier in the movie, <laughs> I, like you should have seen it then, but I didn't. It's I think one of the better jokes in the movie because of the because it's not a joke. It's just they don't talk about it until they do. Because why would they talk about it? Yeah, that's everybody knows. It's it's one of those things. It's a it's a it's a the jokes in this movie with the exception of one that we'll get to in the next one, is never at the expense of a group. The joke is always that normal people are the weird ones. Wednesday is sent to go get Uncle Fester. She overhears Uncle Fester. I guess Gordon. We'll call him Gordon because he is Gordon in this scene. Gordon and his mother plotting to get the money during Mm -hmm. the party. A lot of weird abuse from the mom in these couple of scenes that I'm not okay with. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she's a she's a weird abuser. It sort of explains why he's sort of a different person with her than he is with the Adams. Mm-hmm. He goes chasing after Wednesday, but Wednesday has disappeared, and so he has to go down to the party to like save face. But kind of immediately when he gets down to the party, it is no longer about saving face. It is. He's just having a great time. Just all of these people who accept him and he aren't dances assholes. A- very complicated dance with his brother that he knows. He just knows it. He just knows it. Like how? Like why would he know this mamushka? Which I yeah, sounds weird. like it should be a real word, but I don't think it is because I just googled it and I'm not getting anything except for the Adams family wiki. So I don't know. The interesting thing to me about the mamushka is that it's been in the Adams family tradition since who knows what, but that they danced mm. it while Nero fiddled and at Waterloo. Like the Adams family has been around since the time of the Romans. Then. Yeah, why not? Also, Nero didn't fiddle. Fiddles didn't exist back then. It was more of a lyre-like instrument. So he would be plucking it. Nero. Good times. 
you know, the, the the great thing about Nero is he didn't want to be emperor. He just wanted he wanted to be an actor, and that's why the Romans hated him. Specifically, clear obviously the Christians hated him because he killed a bunch of Christians, but the Romans hated him because he wanted to be an actor, which back then was seen as derogatory, like wanting to be a prostitute in today's terms. I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just whatever. Let's get back to the movie. Wow, all I had to do was not say anything, and man, were you digging down? The thing, great thing about me is I always have a shovel, and I'm always willing to dig. You can't say shit like that, Andy, because I was about to cut out all that Nero shit, and you said I always have a shovel, and I'm always willing to dig, and it's like a, that's like a decent line, <laughs> right? And I feel like we don't have enough of those. I have been told by other people that I'm surprisingly quotable, and I don't know what that means. I uh, I've started doing excerpts of our of our podcast to put along with the podcast. Mm-hmm. The one I picked that the last time was "Babe herded some sheep and also cured racism," <laughs> because that was my favorite thing of of our last episode. Oh man, that's like the last, like the end of it too, or the middle of it. I yeah, guess that's the, the way we do these episodes. God, we're yeah. two hours in and we're not even, we're almost done with this movie. Yep. Um, and I have so many notes for the next one. So. <laughs> So it seems like Flora and Fauna should not have been invited to this party. Just saying. But it seems to go great. It kind of feels like they were invited specifically because this was a party for Fester. They do this very elaborate dance. And Gordon has a great time and he goes back to his mom. And this is when we get some more super weird abuse. Everybody has to go find Wednesday because she has disappeared. Because she has been missing, I think, for half of the party. And it's late. Gordon or Fester. I guess I'm trying to call him Fester when he's interacting with the... The Adamses with the Adams, but I'm not sure if that's a if that's a distinction I need to keep making. I just like saying both to remind people that Gordon and Fester are the same person. How about that? What a twist! Gordon tells them that he'll stay behind to make see if she comes back. Mm-hmm. Tully makes a move that is pretty clever he's like had a lot of hats this movie. This is the moment where he goes from being a stooge to being the villain. We don't get to see the whole plan yet, but when they get back to the house, the gate is locked, and Tully says he has a restraining order out on them, or that Fester has a restraining order out on them. And then it turns out that the way this freaking works is that the judge who gave them the restraining order and who says that Fester owns everything lives next door to the Adamses. And... In a in a moment in a cruel just twisting of the knife says the only thing Gomez has to his name is a bucket of golf balls <laughs> that I assume he's just been saving for a moment like this. We we did forget an important part of the party though, which is that at this party Tully has his wife dance oh, with geez. cousin cousin it, okay. and she <laughs> yes. is she is not happy of having to entertain uh, this living Muppet. Um, excuse me, Andy? That is a ridiculous thing to say. The Muppets are already living Muppets. Sorry. This... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I broke kayfabe there. Um, we'll just cut all that out. She she isn't happy of, about having to entertain this Muppet, and... Cookie Monster eats! <laughs> Kermit <laughs> loves... I... <laughs> Miss Piggy grows, Andy. She grows! <laughs> But she, slowly over the course of the party, she grows to she she opens up to to cousin it and mm-hmm. and there's something there between them, but she can't. She's married. Yeah. If only her husband will get buried alive, then everything would be fine. Or buried dead. Who knows? It's it's up in the air. Maybe he was dead. Hopefully. Hopefully. It'd be a kindness. If not, he he'll be dead soon enough. 
within seven days. Uh, but there is, but there's something there. There's a spark. If, but it, life together isn't in the cards for them. Yeah, but she does tell it to call her. And he does leave in his comically tiny car. So the Adamses have been removed from house and home, and they go live in a motel. Gomez is all sad because he's been betrayed by his brother. He just sits at home or at the motel watching TV. Morticia goes out to get a job. This is one of the iconic lines in this movie, I think, is when she's talking with the kind of the office of, I forget what it's called, the people you go to when you need help getting a job. Like a temp agency? Yeah. Uh, She's asked what she got a degree in and she says, what is it? Spells and hexes. And the temp lady, the temp agency lady says, liberal arts. I see that jife all over the place. She jumps on that so quick. It's probably not the first time she's had somebody come in saying they study spells and hexes. A lot of Wiccans in the United States, man. What can we say? And also apparently voodoo priests. That's another kind of joke that's thrown away in this movie, but I really liked, which is that Gomez is really depressed that he's been betrayed by Mm -hmm. his brother. So he spends his whole time watching TV. He calls into this talk show and is told, Mr. Adams, stop calling in. We do not know where they meet. Yes. Actually, like the joke right after that, which is where Tisha tries to get him to go on to take a drive. He's like, and Miss Gilligan? <laughs> which I guess is supposed to show you how far he's fallen or that he likes Gilligan. Which both are funny is the thing, right? Yes. It, it, this is real, a choose your own uh, choose your own punchline. Um, also, I have a question because we got to see Morticia's sort of interview process. But we never got to see Thing's interview process. And that's a shame. Because he gets a job as a carrier for FedEx, I think. Or By the way, this is the part of the movie where I think is when they ran out of money. Because we get like, I think like a pretty blatant ad for FedEx on all of those boxes. But also a tombstone pizza billboard just fucking right there in the middle of this movie. And I was like, did they get tombstone money in this movie? You know, if you had to get a pizza company to pay for your Adams Family movie, tombstone's the one to get. And you know who you don't get? You don't get fucking those liars at DiGiorno who are now delivering pizza. How far? the? What's the idiom for when people who do good things suddenly start doing bad things? Because that's what DiGiorno is. Delivering pizza. Was DiGiorno ever a good thing? No, but their tagline is it's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. And if they're delivering, even if it's DiGiorno, it's delivery. Tony, I feel like you thought you're not getting this. You're not understanding the blatant crime that that is just happening in america anyway the kids try to sell some lemonade but uh clearly people don't want to buy there they just have all the ingredients for it just sitting out and there are like eight kinds of poisons in that lemonade and oh eight kinds of poisons and one lemon yes (laughs) which i would buy that's awesome if i saw a bunch of kids sitting around with a bunch of poise labeled poisons and a lemon i would trust those kids because a they've labeled their poisons that's fair you know what you're getting yeah and i want it so bad andy it would be so easy to kill you yeah no it wouldn't be hard and I'd probably apologize the entire time it was happening. This is a really disturbing fact to know about yourself. I remember once I cut my finger open and I didn't have any medical supplies on hand at the time because I was living in like a garbage hole. So I cut my hand open and I'm like, hmm, I'm bleeding a lot. I should stop the bleeding because I can feel myself going into shock. And I started driving to Walmart, but then I realized that I couldn't go to Walmart because I was bleeding so much and I didn't want to get blood all over the floor. So I parked on the side of the road and I called a friend of mine who I knew had medical supplies because he told me about them. And I said, hey man, 
I cut my hand open. Can I use your medical supplies? He's like, sure. So I get to his house and he's like, you cut your hand pretty deep. You should go to the hospital. So I did. And then they gave me stitches. But also, the, sh- the stitches were kind of shitty and I got a really Now tell the appendicitis story, Andy. <laughs> no, that one would take too long. We'll save that one for another time. It's just like, it seems like you take really bad care of yourself, man. I take really good care of myself. The only time I ever go to a doctor is when it's a, it's, I have to go to a hospital. That's how healthy I am. <laughs> oh, we live in a capitalist hellscape. Also, yeah, hospitals are expensive. Morticia goes to confront Fester because Gomez is so sad. Well, wait, we haven't seen Morticia's job, which is making children cry. Oh, yeah. I don't think that was supposed to be her job, but she's really good at it. She's super good at it. All she does is tell the story of Hansel and Gretel, but say that it was not cool to burn somebody alive. And suddenly everybody's crying. Which, to be fair, it's not cool. Looking back at Hansel and Gretel, it's one of the more disturbing German fairy tales, which is a tough thing to get. (laughs) A disturbing German fairy tale? I think that's pretty easy to get. No, a more disturbing German fairy tale. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Morticia goes to see Fester. And she, she's caught. And appre- well, I guess not caught because she just walks there, but she's there to like just kind of remind him of the position he's put himself in, which is against the Adams family. Yeah, she's there to just have it out, and then she gets captured, which frankly seemed like a lateral move to me. I was not worried for Morticia at all when they strapped her to a uh, torture device because it's like she's Morticia Adams. Yeah, like this, like she's into this. She she super uses this for sex. Are you kidding? The last thing this has been used for was sex. It, it was in the house for a reason, and that reason was to get down. There is an amazing use of music in this scene because Thing follows her, realizes that she's in danger, and then goes back. And I think this is the best special effects shot in the movie which is insane because it must have been the hardest which is when it's walking across this rainy road and then it grabs onto a car like that's really good i think it's the best in the movie and that must have been so hard because it's like raining and shit and there's like specular highlight like lights coming off of the like chromed bumper like it's a lot anyway he gets back to gomez and give and eventually is able to tell because if he tries sign language but i guess he stutters in sign language so he does morse code instead so it's it's a pretty good gag. That is a great joke. Eventually, Gomez, uh, the rest of the family, I guess, is there too because they have things that they're doing in in the background. But it feels Are like they? he goes alone. Well, they're they, yeah, no, he seems to go alone. They yeah. prepared like two graves, coffins with risers and tombstones. Man, yeah, like, I guess it's true. I guess he drops them off at like the edge of the. Yeah, they weren't sitting on their hands while all of this was going on. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Um, so he goes to save Morticia, and he somersaults through the window in a mm-hmm. and thankfully they chose to torture her in his fencing room which is probably i guess now that i think about it also their sex room <laughs> and he just Sometimes. grabs a sword hey and, hey andy yeah every room's a sex room for these two <laughs> are you kidding front porch have sex you been room. watching the same movie that i have been watching balcony sex room attic sex room sex room actually rarely used because they're too busy having sex in all the other rooms 
What I find really interesting about this scene is he pulls out his sword, he fights with Tully, who is, you know, the only one who's ever also used a sword because of their many fights. Hey, by the way, guys, this is good fucking screenwriting again, right? Because like, it's pretty, it's pretty good. This is how you set up a final fight is we saw them fighting earlier and now and they're fighting now and he's still kicking Tully's ass. But, you know, Tully gets, Tully a, gets a hit on him, though, which was pretty surprising. I, I love that part of the movie because because of his little look on his face where he's like, oh, you've improved. And then he goes to, like, kill Tully, and Abigail fucking cheats. And she fucking pulls out a gun, which I did not think existed in this universe so much <laughs> that when she pulled out a gun, it was very much a Batman killing people with guns moment where I was like, that's fucking cheating. You can't just have Batman go around killing people with guns. What I like about the scene is that it is openly talked about. That the only thing the Adamses really fear is life without each other. So they start doing their like horny thing. And I love yes. this scene because the music is swelling and they're about to kiss. And then fucking Craven is like, knock it off. And the music just cuts dead. Yes. They're like so surprised that somebody has done that to like, them. Even, even Tully is like, come on. Like, <laughs> you can't even let them. We're about to kill them. You can't even let them have this. So Gomez goes to open up the vault. And Morticia kind of makes one last plea plea isn't the right word yeah it's not exactly the right word but it fits uh to also abigail berates gordon Gordon at the exact same time like god she sucks so bad she's a terrible mom and also not really his mom as we will find out in maybe the worst wrap-up scene i've ever seen in my life we kind of find out right now because she says i should have left you where i found you for me that was finally the bit where i'm like all right she found him he's actually fester and this is where i and this is where me a dumb person went oh my god he's actually fester he just he's constantly got black eyes dude (laughs) yeah but like we've met other people who aren't adamses who are just weird have we they were all part of a clan yeah but i'm again i do want i want to believe that people who are part of the adams family clan aren't necessarily like blood relatives right like they're just other people who the Adams have fallen in with and, like, they're friends because they're outside looking in. Yeah, I mean, sure. It's a community. Fester is weird in a lot of murdery ways that Which, conjoined yeah. twins are not necessarily weird in. I mean, they... I feel like they could commit murder. I'm, I'm sure they could commit murder. They, they do live in a mental hospital. There's gotta be a reason for that. Maybe they just wanted to vote. <laughs> that's a bad joke. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's not funny. <laughs> it's not uh, it's a tragic moment in american history so um (laughs) hey he he's he tells gomez who's about to pull on the the book of greed and he says that's the wrong book and he gets out what was the book that he gets i think it was like hurricane (laughs) it was not hurricane it wasn't just hurricane it was because it was a clever book title that i I think uh, it it was was probably a clever book because it was a book that actually exists because that's the joke of the library right is because right like like uh tully earlier was reading the sun also rises and getting a tan from sunlight coming and he also pulls out gone with the wind and gets like hit with the blustery day it's a it's a pun somewhere in there a blustery day did he actually pull out winnie the pooh shut up i was that was the joke tony thanks so um god <laughs> jesus tony come on what fucking hurricane books are there it doesn't matter well he pull whatever he unleashes a hurricane onto them and yes. kills them dead or not i do i have to think though that what i think happened is that at some point while they were in this hurricane they turned into dummies <laughs> 
Because at the end of it, these two dummies go flying out of the house and land in these coffins, which slam shut, fall into the grave, and then the camera pans up and, oh, their names are on the tombstones. Then, in, like I said, maybe the worst wrap-up I've ever seen in a movie, even though all it did for me is confirm stuff that I was like, yeah, that this is probably what happened. Even me, a person who was... Who again? Super dumb. Didn't didn't even think that it was actually Fester. This is bad because we get a time skip, which I'm already like, really a time skip? Do we need seven months? Which we do for other reasons, though. Because because during the hurricane, Gordon gets struck by lightning, and then we come back seven months later to find out that he's actually been Fester this whole time and actually suffered amnesia after being lost in the Bermuda Triangle and turning up in my fa- in Miami, where Craven actually found him. You know, all the best lies have a grain of truth, Andy. I feel like there's a but there. Well, but that was really dumb. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It wasn't, it's not a bad plot in that it's like a bad plot, but it's fine. It's not a bad plot because it was basically what I guess the plot would be, Mm -hmm. but it should have been sprinkled throughout the movie and not just given to us two minutes before the movie ended. It does feel kind of gross to just have it all explained in a sentence instead of slowly explained over a movie, right? Like, then what was the point? Why wasn't Gordon questioning why he fit in so well here? Yeah. And again, this movie clearly ran out of money at some point because of stuff like this, where you're like, more time could have been spent here specifically. Here's what I wanted. And this is what I kept on thinking. I wanted Gordon to have lied to somebody, either Morticia or Gomez or both, and said that he had amnesia and couldn't remember his life, and and then have him start, like, actually believing that he had amnesia, and then have it turn out that that was actually what what happened. There are definitely better ways this could have been done than, like, a two-second interlude before we get slapped in the face with the biggest fucking plot development this side of the movie, which is that uh, Tully's wife married cousin It. I have to assume, like, the day after he died, but here's the thing it's been seven months i want to see this movie right like this woman whose husband was a shitty lawyer dies and 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 cousin it goes to comfort her and they realize this spark it's still there but it's too early and the grief is too soon cousin it can't talk i mean he can talk we just can't understand him because he's a muppet this this is a bad movie then i can understand many muppets i can't understand many muppets what about the chef i don't understand a word he's saying i do What's not to get? (laughs) This is the stupidest joke we've ever done. But also somehow the funniest. Oh yeah, and Morticia's pregnant. Because she's she was sewing this uh this little onesie that has three legs, because it's the Adams family. Sure, but also all of their children have the right amount of legs, so it's kind of a it, it definitely feels like it was an aesthetic choice. Like, I have to tell my husband I'm having a baby. What's the best way to do it? I know. Knitting. Um, which is so much work. If uh, people who I know that knit are to be believed. I mean, she doesn't, like, have a job. Maybe she knits all the time. I mean, none of them have a job. None of, they don't That's need true. One. So they're probably just doinking all the time. Because they're so rich. I almost forgot. You would think they would have more children, but maybe they're just, I don't know. But then they'll make out on the porch and we're done. Sink. Sink. You don't normally pick a time that that's far away, but I do think you just wanted me to be quiet for a really long time. (laughs) For five whole seconds, please. (laughs) 
<laughs> you could have, for real, if you'd picked something that was 30 seconds away like I used to, I would have been quiet the whole time. So just Let's sink at 25, Andy. All right. Adam's family values. 1993. Sink. So. Thank you, mother. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> so um Adam's Family Values is uh is Raul Julia's second to last movie that he ever did. Um after this he did Street Fighter and uh after Street Fighter unfortunately he passed away due to complications with stomach cancer and a stroke. I feel like if he had not he would have definitely been like an icon because of these movies. Mm-hmm. And he definitely is an icon because of his Street Fighter movie. Like it is I think he's the only good part of that movie. Does being the only good part of a video game movie make you an icon? The Addams Family Values is a 1993 American comedy film and sequel to the previous Addams Family movie in 1991. And like we said earlier, it was also directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. So let's strap in. So the Adams seem like the type of people, if you ask me, I mm-hmm. would say these are the type of people who would use a midwife. I would have been wrong. They just go to the hospital. They do. Because, you know, at the end of the day, they're still just your average, very rich American family. How did they get their riches? I know they inherited it, but how did their family get their riches? Oh, I mean, if they've been around since the Roman times, I assume that they're just, you know, if a family line lasts that long, they're probably royalty in some way. But, But, like, their whole family history is like, we've always been attacked. Yeah, but they've also always won. In some way. I mean, it seems like individually they lose. Like, from the walk through the graveyard, we the... find out that eventually <laughs> everyone in the Adams family dies in a way that's not, like, on a hospital bed. Oh, yeah, it's definitely going to be, like, a violent, cruel, and unusual death. But also, that's kind of what they want it to be, right? They want a death worthy of being an Adams. Live fast, take as many others... <laughs> With you as you can. The Adams Family is a lot like Lieutenant Dan. And in this essay, I will go through point by point how that is. So, I love how... No, 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 no. Please continue your essay. No, um, this... that that, uh, (laughs) No, we're going to talk about this movie. So... um... No, I insist, actually. (laughs) I know it's been almost three hours. But I think... Tony, you have known me long enough that... If you really want me to start to just pull some bullshit out of thin air, I could do that. Do you really want me to? No, let's talk about this hospital visit. <laughs> so I do love how Angelica Houston announces that she's having a baby was just to just to say, I'm having a baby right now. I believe the delivery, which I loved, is I'm having a baby and then like, stop right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just full I think there was a dramatic zoom, too, if I'm not <laughs> yes. mistaken. It's very Perhaps. good. Why do things... I never really enjoy it when a movie or video game starts with a baby being born, because it's always weird. Because babies being born isn't cool. It's gross. It's a miracle of life, Andy. Beautiful miracle. Women are strong. It's so gross. And also, Morticia's super excited to go through labor again. Quite possibly the most painful thing a person can go through. So she's she's pretty excited about it. She's pretty jazzed. Now, there's a thing in this movie that I noticed that yeah, isn't we know in the there's a thing movie. in the movie. It's a hand that moves around by its own. <laughs> Boom! Boom! God, you are so done with my shit. Shut it down! <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, and that was uh, that was it. That's the end of the episode. I've been thoroughly burned. <laughs> Sorry to continue. No, so I don't know if you noticed this because it wasn't in the last movie, but it is at this movie, and that's that every scene or every time Morticia's in a scene, there's this weird light only around her eyes. Yes, that makes it feel like she's a ghost or dead. Yeah, it has her eyes perfectly framed every scene. And I remember noticing it, and then I remember noticing her like walk into it in some scenes. And I don't know if it's good or not, but like, it's I like it. It's I like do very like dramatic. It. It's it's so extra and very anime. It's like somebody sat down and said, "I want Morticia, who is already very cool and weird, to be like." A little more cool and weird. What what can we do to make her feel more like a vampiress? Yes. I know. Put a light over her eyes. It must have been so hard to see. She was doing that in every scene. It must have been so hard not to tear up. I would have been blinking like a madman. Like I just did a hit of coke. Just blinking all the time. The kids are not jazzed about having a baby Adams around the house. That's another good line in this movie is they're arguing about whether it's a boy or a girl and Gomez comes in and he's like, it's an Adams. And then we get like lightning and the kind of the intro to the movie, uh, Adams family values. I want to ask you a question about this because later it really sounded like Gomez called him a boy and then Wednesday called her a girl. Is this Adam's kid genderqueer? Is that like part of this? I, I'm not, so I'm not actually sure because I didn't notice that. Uh, it's entirely possible. I could have sworn that when, that, that when Wednesday was trying to kill the baby, which by the way was like a level of this dark comedy that I could not 100% get behind because that's just like not fun for me. That's fair. <laughs> that she called it she, but then other people called it he at, at some points everyone calls it it it's definitely they're definitely not ascribing they're like not giving the baby a gender right like yeah that's... like like they're or or just all of them right like you know at some point the baby's gonna grow into one of them i was wondering like if i was missing something because i was like watching like half watching it but I don't think I was. I think that's what they were doing, which is uh, which is a very um, unusual choice to make in 93. Incredibly progressive for 93. And especially because it, if that is what they were doing, they never really go into it like if it was a joke. They just do it, which is cool. Also, here's something about the baby that I love, which is that it has Gomez's little pencil mustache mm-hmm. as a baby. It's just there, which makes me think that Gomez was totally also born with that mustache, which, I mean, if you're born with that kind of a mustache, you are destined to become some kind of a weird person. This is another just classic, like, Adam's Family joke where it's like, he has my father's eyes. Get them out of his mouth. Yeah, get them out of his mouth. That's a great, that's a good joke. It's very creative. Every, everybody loves having the baby around except for the kids. For some reason, they both believe that one of them needs to die now that there's a new baby. If one must live, then the other must die. I don't know if that's a thing that kids believe. I mean, I never believed it. But but it, it definitely does sound like a thing that kids would be afraid of, which is now that there's a new baby, maybe there's too many kids. Yeah, and they do a lot of almost murdering the new kid. But here's the thing is, like my little brother, this kid is stronger than them. 
because That's a problem. they try to drop a guillotine on this thing and like a fucking anime character he catches it with two fingers here well here's the other thing is that i don't know if he is stronger than them it has been established it is super hard to kill an adams as we're about to find out in this movie apparently yes. like which means that when those other adams died right like Maybe the reason it was a mob is because... One person couldn't do it? Yeah, one person can't do it. It has to be the whole town. It takes a village to kill an Adams. That would be a good motto, too. That would be a good motto. Or even, like, a good tagline for one of the movies. (laughs) If they got the whole village against them. (laughs) Gomez and Morticia decide to hire a nanny. We get some pretty quick, like, some throwaway scenes with some nannies who are, it seems like, pretty immediate immediately overwhelmed we get a lot of a lot of nanny jokes that i feel like happen to this day of like your stereotypical nanny although i do like that they went to nanny they didn't ever consider teenager down the street oh no that kid would die but here was my problem who needs a nanny with four adults and a hand in the house I'm sorry, five adults and a hand. The hand can't take care of the kids because it's a hand. The hand can drive a car. Literally everything the hand does is a handful for it because it's just a hand, (sighs) Tony. That's still five adults. (laughs) Okay, but... That's enough adults to make sure Wednesday doesn't grab the kid and throw him off of something. Lurch is too busy taking care of the entire house, which, again, might or might not be magical or alive. Who knows? For sure. So groundskeeping, all of that, it's busy work. Grandmama is old. And I feel like when you're a grandmother, it is no longer your job to take care of kids unless your kids die and leave you the kids, She lives in the house. That feels like she should have a hand in. No, definitely. Like, my grandma lives with my cousins, and she definitely helped raise them a lot of the time. But I I feel like you shouldn't want that. You should want the grandma to just, I don't know, cook people or whatever the fuck it is that grandma does. And nobody has a job. And Uncle Fester is in the house now, and we know that he loves hanging out with the kids. No, he is incapable. Sorry, he in this movie anyway. He's he not didn't up to used to be incapable. In the last movie, he taught them how to use explosives. In the last movie, he would have been a great weird uncle to let to to just let take care of your kids for a while. You know, leave them in, leave them with them in say uh, Oregon for a couple of summers. But in this movie, he cannot be trusted. He is an idiot and treated like a child by his brother. He seems, um, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, he seems autistic in this movie. He seems like he really cannot socially interact with people. In a way that... That wasn't true in the last movie. Like, he's a completely different character. Although this is still Christopher Lloyd, like, Christopher Lloyding all over the place. It's a different character. At times I was very frustrated by it, maybe because I watched the movies back to back, but I bet if I watched them two years apart, I wouldn't have been bothered by it. Yeah, I'd probably be okay. You know, he feels a little bit like like how how he was when he interacted with his fake mom. Yeah. But, like, the idea that now that he's out from under her thumb, he acts like that all the time is really weird. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, obviously, it has to be that way in order for the his part of the movie to happen. I don't know. It could have been that he is basically the same character, but no, it couldn't. It fucking couldn't, because what I kept thinking about was how he had two women who are constantly falling over him in the last movie. And in this one, it seemed like he had never seen a woman in his life, except for the fact that he spies on his brother and his wife. <laughs> yeah. And... Although, because again, at the end of the movie, when the end of the movie joke happens, he's like normal. Yeah. 
So maybe, maybe Debbie, played by Joan Cusack in this movie, who is an amazing actress in her own right. I think the fact that she was cast in this role in this movie is really funny because that was kind of what she did for a really long time. And then she was like in Black Widow. A ton she used of to no, kill a bunch of people as as just a uh, like crazy affluent woman. This is definitely like a, a role that she has done before, and in other films and in other and in TV shows and stuff. Not to this obviously to this kind of exaggerated for comedy degree, but she's done this dramatically for sure. Yeah, maybe Debbie just like her mom is just like a very gives off very like I don't know. Though it's it's a little weird. It's weird. So this nanny comes in and, for whatever reason, seems to have a grasp on this that the other nannies didn't. Well, because she did her research. Yeah, well, yes. We find out later that she did do her research. She wasn't even scared when um, Thing showed up. She sucked on his finger in a really... There are a lot more, like, overtly... As overtly horny as the last movie was, this movie is, like, somehow way hornier. This movie's pretty horny. This movie is pretty damn horny. But yeah, she seems, uh, she does seem surprised at first, but again, she like kind of... She rolls with it. Yeah, she's here to do a job. She's hired because she seems to not just run out of the house screaming in fear. She gets along pretty well with the baby, it seems like, and the kids don't like immediately hate her. Although she kind of blows that in the next scene anyway. Yeah, it's, she seems like a terrible serial killer. Yeah, she's pretty open. With her serial killing. With her serial killing. Here's the thing. We find out pretty immediately she has the same plan for Fester as he had for the entire family in the last movie. Yeah, it's the, it's the same plot, but like darker and more twisted. Because she's going to marry him and then kill him and take all his money. I do love the line that Gomez has to Fester, though, that night after she's been hired when he's like sitting in his room and telling him goodnight. And he mm-hmm. like leans in and hugs him and says, I hope someday you get to feel the indiscriminate joy of having children and paying someone else to raise them. (laughs) And that is such a good line. And then we get to watch an episode of America's Most Disgusting Unsolved Crimes. Yeah, this was such an information dump, but I don't know. I didn't hate it. It was kind of fun. As a person who watched America's Most Wanted and Cold Case Files and listened to Serial and watched How to Make a Murderer and just generally enjoys this genre of american television even though it's depraved and abhorrent and you know elevates these horrible people to like celebrity status while kind of not talking about victims in a way that is important at least america's most wanted helped catch people yeah this is an amazing parody (laughs) they nailed that tone they they nailed it so much that i stopped it and rewound it and studied it there are Things that they do that I'm like, oh man, these guys were big fans of America's Most Wanted and that other one with the guy who talk who talked like a weirdo. Um, sixty minutes? No, the other one. Forty-eight hours. No. How many numbers can I come up with? There are so many. Again, but hey, just to prove to you that there are a lot of these kinds of true crime shows in the United States, there's a ton. I love this whole scene because she's watching this. She, in serial killer fashion, is watching an episode of this show about herself. Three very different women with only one thing in common looks at camera two. Murder. And also, and they're also the same they're woman. the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing that got me was him looking at camera two. Any other parody would have just stuck with camera one. Looking at camera two <laughs> was when I was like, they've seen the show. <laughs> 
the plot starts moving really fast here. Yeah, she is going through Fester's documents. For for a person who seems to not be able to interact with with women, he has mm. got a rich portfolio. And she sees at least Wednesday spying on her. Or is pretty sure she sees Wednesday spying on her? Wednesday has gone like full... You see the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes? Yes! When he would like dress as the carpet and then enter the scene by standing up and being like, I was the carpet. I don't think he ever did the carpet, but you get what I mean. <laughs> Wednesday's just colored as the wall. But I, but he, the thing I love about it is that they actually painted her like that. Yep. And it actually kind of works on camera. Yeah, because she's looking and it's not even clear that she actually sees Wednesday. As much as she's like pretty sure she saw Wednesday. Or heard her anyway. Yes. Like she she understands that she's been caught. Also, mm. her idea of taking care of the baby is literally putting a chain leash on it and chaining it to the floor next to her. So it can't get into any trouble. Hey, guess what, though? For this baby, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this baby literally breathes fire and might actually be the Antichrist. You know what? I bet I bet Antichrists pop up kind of a lot in the Adams clan. Yeah, uh, but the Adams family get, has really strong, like, a Zero Fail and Crowley vibe, so it doesn't ever amount <laughs> to anything, right? So she convinces... Mom and Adams... In a pretty bold move, she convinces them to send them off to summer camp without telling them about it? Her, so she's playing this angle like, oh, these kids want this thing so bad and any parent would love to send their kids to summer camp if that's what they really wanted. But also by going to them in private, because they're the Adamses, they're like, our kids have this disgusting thing they want to do, <laughs> but they don't want to tell us about it because they know we'd be disgusted by it. And that's so good. Like, she doesn't realize how powerful this chess move is that she's made. They send these two to a literal hell. If summer camp is even 1% of this, I would have hated it. You ever been to a summer camp? No, never. I... Why? My, why would my parents send me to summer camp when I could just literally go to a farm? I have been to one summer camp that was like a summer camp, summer camp, and then Boy Scout camp a couple of times. Mm -hmm. This is this is like blown out of proportion. But also, this is like, it kind of mixes the reality of summer camp with sort of your fears about summer camp. And on top of that, my personal fears about inequality in America. The camp counselors have some of the best lines in the movie and also but that are bad like in that they're yes, like terrible lines they have this like it's not a song but it, they're very sing-songy because they're camp counselors and terrible people <laughs> where they're basically like that's what being privileged is all about and i'm like ooh, mm. this is a summer camp for rich kids yeah oh yes it's a very specific kind of terror which is like not just going to summer camp which to me already sounds awful just being in nature but being surrounded by these little shits this is when i see numbers and immediately i was oh my god that's numbers so numbers as i will call him for the rest of the podcast because i can't remember his name in the movie yeah numbers like obviously a geek he's coded as a geek and he's also pretty immediately coded as having a crush on wednesday the music swells the camera zooms in on her and, and he has to breathe through his inhaler i've seen movies made in the 80s the summer camp in this felt like an 80s summer camp too except that all the kids were a little bit younger than they are in 80s summer camps i feel like 
and but also nobody died we're pretty sure nobody died well there wasn't a, <laughs> nobody died because of you know like a dude wearing a hockey mask and sure just kids setting fires which is definitely less scary very easily less scary these kids were being fire safe they burned a lot of stuff down yeah but all of it was like man-made so it's fine and and also terrible and they should have burned it down I mean, yes, it was terrible. I was glad that it was on fire, but I was also like, they're going to kill those camp counselors, and we never found out if those camp counselors died or not. They had to have, though, right? I feel like they could have kept them over that fire for about 20 seconds before shit would have gotten very bad. Mm -hmm. Real fire in this movie, by the way, which I maybe it's just a sign of the times, but I'm always surprised to see real fire in movies these days. But that's a scene very much later in the movie. So let's go back to, I guess, Fester and Debbie. Debbie is reading Cinderella to to the baby in a way that's like 100% hating on Fester. Fester goes to Gomez and has this great line where he says he want he, he he like wants a girl for him or he wonders if there's somebody out there for him or something like that. Gomez says there's thing and he says I know but I want more legs elbows a head. Damn, that's so great. I love that a lot. <laughs> That is really good. Also, that that is interesting in that it sort of establishes whatever thing and uh and uh 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 damn Fester? It. And yeah, I kept on thinking Lester, and I'm like, no, it's a word that like means something. Lester is a real person's name. <laughs> yes. Come on, brain, uh, get it together. Whatever thing and Fester have is like semi romantic. And it definitely gives you an idea as to what Fester was screaming about in the first movie. <laughs> You know, so, uh, hey, you know, I know things are hand, but even hands can get a little handsy. Cool. I'm going to rate that joke a solid 2 out of 10. All right, let's move on. So, <laughs> the, um, so Gomez has a plan. He's like, listen, I've wooed a woman at least three can canonically. Here's what we're going to do is we're going to set up a date and it's going to be awesome. And I'm going to help my brother totally get laid. Mm -hmm. Which, is that a good brother? I don't know. I wouldn't I, do that. I... <laughs> I'm not the kind of person who could pull that shit off, though. Comparing me to most of my siblings, I'm the fester in this situation. <laughs> don't, s <laughs> don't say that. I like to think I'm better than fester, but not better than Christopher Lloyd, so also who knows? Because <laughs> what is the, you know, what's the measurement there? How much do you have to account for the fact that he's Christopher Lloyd? Mm, true. Well, and so the thing I will say is, is that I wouldn't have to do that for my little brother because he's more handsome than me. He's, he's already got it down? Yeah. So and you're the fester in that situation. No, because I... No, because you're a love guru. I know. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I'm a, We've established that I can play ball. I cannot wait for our upcoming DVD extras. Andy is a love guru. Which is... <laughs> The second Andy is a love guru. I'm, you, you came up with the name for the sequel of that Mike Myers movie that's terrible, so good for you. So now if that second movie does happen and it's called that, I'm going to blame you. Uh, I'm going to blame me too and demand some fucking royalties. Sir, you sh and you should because Mike Myers has the money. And also the only reason anybody would go to that movie is because of the phrase love to rue, which is so solid. <laughs> which is enough for people to go, you know what, fine. Fine. What were we talking about? Uh, well, oh, they go to this kick-ass bistro in a cave. It is a, yep. I would totally go there. I love bistros. 
It's a really cool cave, too. It's got some nice romantic lighting. And and the band is trapped in a cage where they belong. <laughs> I don't want them just mingling about. And he has a problem with musicians. All re- artists, actually. <laughs> Fuck them. Um, so many people in my life are musicians. <laughs> that, <laughs> that if I, I need to really tread lightly here. They go to this cool bistro and... Gomez and Morticia have an amazing date. This is the bit where they do that awesome dance we were talking about. Here's the thing about that awesome dance, right? Is that it's a pretty basic waltz comboed with Foxtrot. They don't do anything overtly complex when it's not special effects. All the they special do this effects thing stuff. where they like flirt with other people and then like throw each other. But that's the thing, right? Is the moment they do that, I'm like, oh, they're putting on a show for these yes, people. Absolutely. And I have to imagine that every time they go there, that's what they do. <laughs> Everyone knows when the Adams show up, we're gonna have a show. Because the tables are even arranged where there is this conspicuous <laughs> circle between them for them to dance to. And and I have to believe that when the Adams call and go, yes, we're going to come to this cave bistro, the, the waiters are like, all right, let's make room. Let's make room, you guys. This is it. We've been waiting for this month. Call the band. Get them in the cage. They don't need to get the band in the cage. They need to raise the cage. <laughs> raise the cage. It's good. So, so they're just always in there. Yes. <laughs> So my thought was, I like that because my theory was not that they're always in the cage, but that they're put in the cage only when the atoms come by for their safety. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Who knows what they could do if they really let loose? Uh, yeah, but they do a very dramatic heel ball change uh, when they go from waltz to foxtrot. And I just want everyone to know that I really appreciated that. Um, 90% of dance isn't how you step. It's how you look when you step. It's the confidence. It is pretty charming to see Gomez's devotion to fester considering how like childlike fester is in this scene but like i don't know it's just that like like he doesn't he doesn't even have the amount of social grace you would build up from just interacting with people yeah from practicing and reading magazines on how to do that shit and just doing your work yeah or just like being out and about and we know fester has been out and about so what's that why would that even be true you know he was out about for 25 years with normal people. Yeah, I, it, it, it's very frustrating. But even so, it's still cool that, like, Gomez really wants him to succeed and is supporting him and is like, yes, we're doing this. She clearly likes mm-hmm. you because she wants to convert you for your money. But yep. she clearly has something for you. And, and it's awesome. It's cool. It's like good family values. Hey. Whoa. Oh. At no point in this movie, by the way, do they name drop the title, and I was kind of sad about that. It's because you're a monster. You you're would a monster. think that somebody would look at the camera and say Adam's family values. Yeah, I like I like it when you get the name of the movie in the movie. It's a good. I think it. Could Speaking be- of family values, the Adams do not ascribe to the patriarchal idea of virginity. Okay. It just it was very weird to me that um, Fester had not heard of virginity. <laughs> And the only way that I could make that make sense is that the Adams, as a clan, don't have virginity. Because that doesn't actually make any fucking sense. Well, I don't know. Like, when, like the, w- w- once I realized what it meant, I, I was kind of like, oh, that's stupid. Makes a very awkward scene. But also, like, why wouldn't Fester know about that? All this stuff is like, why is Fester this 
childish. Yeah, childish. Why is he this clueless? If there hadn't just been a movie where he tried to scam his brother out of all of his money, maybe I could have bought this. But that's the thing, right, is the problem isn't that this is what the character is in the larger context of the movie. The problem is is that we just saw a movie where he wasn't this terrible at being a, you know human being yeah just being a person like he just liked murdering people but like this is the adams family right like that's a thing people are into he was genuinely charming in the last movie he charmed everybody that was part of it yeah and in this he's just weird so debbie lays out this whole line of nonsense about being a virgin wanting to make the ultimate sacrifice on her wedding day to mm-hmm. which he responds i believe for the first time the way that anybody would respond. A goat? Because what she said didn't make any fucking sense unless you were killing a goat. The ultimate sacrifice? <laughs> what? I don't know, man. It's definitely a very well-prepared speech. Basically, she says, I'll doink you if you marry me. And he says, sure. Because we cut to Gomez and Morticia watching them fall in love. Yes, unquote. Gomez and Morticia, they're with the baby who has like a... I don't know what this mask is actually for, but I think it's to stop serial killers from biting people. Yeah, it's like the Hannibal Lecter mask. And they said, throughout the whole date, I had my fingers crossed. I said, let them fall in love. Let them get married. Let them adopt. (laughs) Which I thought was so good. And then they reveal the engagement. Yeah, that they're engaged and she shows out her hand. And I love this part. Because mm-hmm. uh, uh, Gomez is like, that was my mother's ring. She was buried with it. And then this crazy bitch just pulls up a shovel. So there were parts of this where I was like, I wonder if the end of this movie is going to be that this person is already basically an Adam. But the thing, yeah, right? Like there are... But the reason she's so okay with all this is because she wants the their money. money. But the, the the thing is, is I could easily see a version of this movie that went, but then it, because then it, but the problem is, is then it would be exactly the first movie, right? Yeah. So, so the fact that they kind of went and ran a hundred miles in a different direction is kind of nice. But before we get to that, we got to go back to camp. I want this camp to burn. It's terrible. There's some shit at this camp. So we actually skipped a, a short scene at the camp where they were they were trying to learn uh uh lifeguard stuff oh that's right and the camp counselor gives the fucking craziest set of instructions which is swim out and start drowning (laughs) i loved that that was so good now just swim out there and start drowning and and so the one little girl who's like you know the bitch girl swims out and starts drowning and wednesday's supposed to save her and she just turns to him and says i can't swim and that's when that scene ends. So it's, it's not bad. This storyline does not pick up until the end. And more so than the last movie, right, is like this movie. I think I guess they kind of realized from the last movie to this movie that Wednesday is like the that Christina Ritchie has a talent for being this character. Because yes. th- this the storyline revolves way more around her than Pugsley. I when I was watching it, I felt like there should be more Pugsley because she has the rival and she has the love interest, and he is like not in a lot of these scenes. Yeah, uh, but he also is definitely punished along with her and her love interest, which seems unfair. It felt like either part of part of the problem could be that he was for some reason getting along with these people, although that would be crazy because these people suck so. They are so bad. fucking terrible. 
Or that he was just, like, more vocal in the scenes where there needed to be somebody speaking, you know? Just could have been a little more. I felt like they leaned on the fact that this is a very good Wednesday Adams. Yeah, and it really seems like, to me, like, they just were like, this is bankable. We can work this. But after the last movie, I did think the kids needed something to do. And I'm glad that they're doing something, even if it's mostly one of them doing something. And I don't love the plot that they have in this movie, but I like that they have a plot in this movie. I thought it was okay until it was really bad. Until Here's the thing. I thought it was super boring until it got really bad, and I was like, yeah, this this fits. This works. Um, yeah. I understand why you'd be like, man, this is this is bad and too much. But like, I was like, I... I even well, even with like the weird the, the the weird racial stuff, it's like that's like them pushing back against the weird racial stuff that was like always there. Problem that I have with the weird racial stuff isn't that there's weird racial stuff because, like I said, I think they they're walking a line where it's clearly parody until a lot of it is parody. Yeah, until until the point where it's not. But I thought even the point where it's not, it was like an acceptable level. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we we'll talk about. It. We're almost there. So they're 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 at this they're still at this awful terrible camp and honestly right most up until the climax of this plot most of their scenes at the camp are like kind of like the way the first movie was done which are just a bunch of kind of offhand jokes about how they're different and how they're not like everyone else and it's and and also kind of this glow glowing growing relationship between numbers and Wednesday yes so we have a wedding. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we not going to actually talk about any of the scenes at the camp before before we get there? Because, like... We'll get to them in time, but I think this is where this one ends, right? Because we don't, we don't have another camp scene for a while after this. Well, but Wednesday's at the wedding. Wednesday and Pugsley are at the wedding. Are they? So I just want to be sure we got the cutoff right. Are they? Yes. Because they get... In fact, um, Numbers is at the wedding. God, I'm really confused by the timeline now. What happens before they go to the wedding then? So they get thrown in the um Oh yeah, in the torture chamber. In the, yeah, in the weird Here's the thing. It's there's nothing bad about this little house they're all stuck in, except it's clearly the place that they put campers that they don't want to fucking deal with, which means it's actually the worst thing. It's solitary confinement is what it is. It's quarantine. Except there's three of them in there. It's social quarantine. Wednesday and Pugs are both thrown in there. Again, this is mostly about Wednesday though because now numbers shows up. And she sort of uh, bonds with numbers solely on the fact that he is constantly near death. Something about his weakness and general aversion to anything dangerous because he's afraid of dying all the time. She's really into that. That calls out to her. He's the yang to her yin, the murder victim to her serial killer. Oh, that's, that's adorable. Mm-hmm. Later they try to break out. Of the camp. So Wednesday and Pugsley just have these ninja costumes on hand. You know what? They probably found out they were going to camp and were like, okay, we're, we're going to break out. We're leaving. But the thing is, is that you'd think they'd pack a shotgun. But the thing is, is that Numbers just has a tool set with him with pretty big wire cutters. So he's more prepared for escape than they are. Well, they were prepared to climb, and he's just like, no, nah, actually. <laughs> we could get injured and die. Which you definitely can't do on sliced wires. That'll be fine. Ah, if you cut a big enough hole, it's fine. I do think the fence has barbed wire at the top, though, which is... Insane? Yeah, like, this is... De- this... Because the, the big joke is that this is a fucking cult. 
the the thing mm-hmm. is is that this is a cult. I don't think it's exactly a cult. It's just like rich people celebrating being rich people. They which is I feel very cultish. Isn't that what Scientology's all about? What Sorry. Sorry, I misspoke. Rich white people celebrating rich being rich white people. Well, even that's not quite true. It's more like rich Aryan people celebrating being rich Aryan people. Because the only non-Aryan people are all in the bad part of the camp. They're all coded as outcasts, when all the people who are an outcast would be like super okay in Hitler's Germany. White, blonde, and blue-eyed. Yeah. The triumvirate. Like they're like they're saying specifically this, mm-hmm. maybe not exactly the Hitler's Germany thing, but you get it. But, but yeah, but there's there's like a clear like Hollywood beauty pageant. Like the fact here's mm-hmm. here's the thing, right? Is the fact that we'll, we'll get to this later. But the fact that Wednesday Adams is picked to play Pocahontas is because she's the only brunette girl there, which tells you a lot. And also criminally underrated joke. It, it's still a cult though. Like this is like fine as a cult. After they are punished, Wednesday finds out that her uncle's getting married so she can, like, get out of camp for a while. And she decides to take numbers. Pugsley doesn't bring anyone, though. Also, it's weird to be able to take a plus one out of a camp. I mean, again, I do feel like these camp counselors do not want to deal with either of these kids. It's true. When they put numbers into the fucking solitary confinement room, he has this book with him. I forget which one. It was the one written by Stephen Hawking as the, like... History of the universe? I don't remember. And the fucking camp counts, because he just says, and this is, a, I think this is really, f- like, funny how it's done, because he says, I just wanted to sit down and read. And then the camp counselor comes back in and says, like, you're going to do that. And he takes the book, hits him with it, and goes, nerd. And then he walks out. Yep. But the problem with that is that camp counselor is such a huge goddamn theater geek. And mm. the worst kind of theater geek. The kind of theater geek that even I, a person who read physics book for fun, made fun of in high school. Damn, shots fired. Even we, the fucking math, 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 what was that shit called again? Even the people who did trivia shit, we made fun of the theater kids, like, because they were nerds. Because, like, yeah, we were nerds, but we could build things. It must be really weird to know the nerd hierarchy. Sorry. By the way, also, we didn't make fun of the theater kids who built the sets. Those guys were cool. It was the ones who were there to be actors. We made fun of them. They were nerds. So the wedding. We're finally there, and we're having a wedding, and maybe accidentally baked somebody alive. That was one of the moments where I was like, ah, that's not really, like, funny as much as it is, like, super gross and kind of bad. He just says, that poor girl. <laughs> <laughs> puts the top of the cake back puts on. Puts the cake back on. I was worried for a second that something was going to pop out of that cake. Because I think that would have been worse. Just like a burnt up woman? That would have been worse, yes. Oh, no. I just mean like in general. Like if... like if. Oh, if anything popped out of that cake, it would have been worse than the joke that they murdered somebody trying to get a stripper into a cake. Yeah, but... The funny part is, is that, you know, you mix mixing up the order of events. Also, how did the, how, who would agree to that? Who would agree to get into an unbaked cake? <laughs> just, just like a lot of dough. I need you to <laughs> climb into this lump of dough. I don't know how cake baking works. I honestly don't. I honestly don't know how baking a cake happens. I don't know how baking a hollow cake works, but I'm pretty sure you would have to bake like small-ish cakes. 
and just like stack stack them and cover them in frosting. I thought there was like a tube, and you built the cake around the tube, and then you baked the cake, and then you pulled the cake out, and then okay. You... But I need you to imagine the idea of having an oven as big as a human being. That doesn't seem that hard to me. Like ovens, there are pretty big ovens out there, and I feel it like just it, that doesn't seem like as good an idea as just cooking smaller cakes and putting them together. I feel like if your business is making big cakes for strippers to climb into, you get an oven for the job do you want to walk in oven how do you get the cake back out man that you walk into it when it's turned off what the fuck are you talking about it's not hot all the time you you don't leave a cake in the oven as the oven cools you're not i i feel like these cakes are like wedding cakes not actually made for eating you eat wedding cakes but they're so gross and taste like plastic okay you you are buying or your friends or family are buying gross wedding cakes. There are good wedding cakes. I don't know. Anything that has that much structural integrity for 12 hours, I don't think is going to taste good. It's just like a frosting, dude. It doesn't frosting matter. Frosting is fucking gross. It's like 90% sugar. I don't, I am not talking to you about how you're wrong about frosting. How did I get here? You're ruining Why? a perfectly good pastry by just throwing a shit ton of sugar on it. You are fucking insane. There is such thing as too much frosting. Frosting itself is not gross. Any amount of frosting more than like a millimeter film is too much frosting. This is, you're insane. You're nuts. <laughs> it it just has to be enough to give it some color, man. Like I am calling the police to take you away. Do it, coward. Oh, what's your address? Podcast from jail. Andy, uh, Andy, uh, where, where, um, hey, Andy, uh, wh- where are you, you right know, now? Now that I think about it, no, I know where you live, and you don't know where I live. And that is a really weird dynamic now that I think about it. Hey, hey, Andy. Hey, hey, Andy, hey. What's up? Hey, what's what's uh, what's your address? I got, I sort of got somebody on the line. I'll send it to you. I'll, I'll send it to you in the mail. All right. Well, I'll call them back. <laughs> I'll call. Okay. Let me put them on hold. <laughs> so, the wedding. The wedding. I was really hoping we'd get another mamushka here, and we do not. I was a little surprised that nobody stopped the wedding, particularly Wednesday, who was there and did know that she was marrying Fester for his money. At this point, I don't, I think she was like, okay, clearly she's marrying Fester for his money, but I don't think she was, she had gone to the point of Uncle Fester's in danger. But maybe she should have gone to the point of like walking up to her parents and saying, I think this bitch is after Fester for his money. Listen, she had other problems to deal with. A camp full of problems. Also, okay, so here's the problem with the wedding scene. Wednesday numbers and Pugsley should not be here. Because the fact that they interact with this scene is like, Wednesday should be trying to stop the wedding. Also, they should talk to their parents about not wanting to go back to camp. Both issues in the movie could be ended by the fact that they came to this wedding. It's so easy to not go back to camp. Parents don't want to drive all the way back out there. It takes more effort to go back to camp after you've already picked somebody up. It definitely breaks the flow of the movie so much that when I said it's a wedding and you mentioned that... It's not the wedding yet? I, like, yeah, I, I realized like, oh, I thought the wedding happened later after that all the camp stuff already happened. Right, which would make sense. Especially because at the end of the camp stuff, every other parent is there. But like, it doesn't make sense for the Adams to be there because they're dealing with other shit. Yeah, because the Adams aren't there and they could have... But they should be there because I think that's when you pick up your kids. That, and that's a standing up and clapping moment. So yeah, I don't know. That was weird. But they get married. They drive off. Kids go back to camp. 
And this is when the kids realize who she is when they take out their serial killer trading card game. Yes, which is probably another reason that uh, Wednesday likes Numbers. There's another good joke here when Numbers mentions that the only cards he doesn't have are uh, Jack the Ripper and that Zodiac guy. Because they were never caught. So they figure out that and so they start trying to put together like a big plan to get out. But at the same time, on their honeymoon to Hawaii? Yes. Debbie basically tries to kill Fester by dropping a radio plugged into like five rerouted uh, surge protectors. Yeah, like a ton of surge protectors like re-plugged into each other, which limits their ability to surge protect. Huh. So she shocks the shit out of him and he, because he's Fester, is fine because he also he he's even been does shocked. this th- that light, light bulb, bulb thing, which is an excellent callback to the last movie. But also reminded me that in the last movie, he wasn't a big dumb idiot. He was only kind of a big. He was big. He's definitely big big. and kind of dumb. He wasn't that dumb, though. But he wasn't that dumb, yeah. And he was, again, he was just, like, charming. Yeah. This version of Fester is not charming at all. He's childish in a way that's distressing. So she tries to kill him and it fails and now she's really upset. Yeah, and she's, like, pouting about it. Like like you said, she's very bad at hiding that she's a serial killer. She realizes they're gonna, you know, get down to it. They're gonna do the nasty. She has to pretend that she's in love with them still. And she gives this weird ultimatum that I don't exactly get. Well, so this this is pretty easy for me. She's trying to separate him from the rest of the family to make killing him easier. So get him out of the house into a different house. Because I guess his idea was we would they would just move back into the Adams house. Yes. I mean, I that's that's fair. But what she could have said was, no, we have to move into our own place. But instead, what she says was, you can never talk to your family again. And here's my other issue with Fester, Uh is that he found his family after 25 years of being separated. Mm -hmm. He and his brother went through this whole big separation issue because of a fight they had. And the fact that he leaves basically destroys his brother again. Yes. And like, he should be at least a little bit keyed into that. Fester in the last movie would have been, but Fester in this movie... The sex is just too good. And again, that is a problem. Like That is a huge problem. You're absolutely right. That part does bother me. Because, yeah, this is like Mondo trauma that he's causing his brother to go through again. Also, the whole, the whole his whole heel turn in the last movie was about, like, liking this family and, like, hanging out with the kids and going on walks with Morticia where she talked about his dead parents. They were, like, the most important thing. Even when he thought he had a family to return to. Yeah. We get a montage of... We kind of get the the go back and forth between like some camp scenes that don't really matter. Gomez being super distraught that his brother doesn't ever want to... Oh, at this point we find out that two weeks have passed, which is an insane amount of time. I guess summer camp is all of summer, but I don't know. It just feels like a long time. Okay, so in my experience, summer camp is a week. Okay, But I would also say that fucking rich people summer camp could totally be all of summer because I bet there are a lot of people who work all through summer and want to get rid of their kids. 
or maybe they don't even work all through summer. They just want to get rid of their kids, and there's no and there's no private school to get rid of them to. Although there got to be year-round private schools. Like that's a thing, right? Where you send your kid off to like a year-round, like they live at the school boarding school. Fester sent a postcard to to Wednesday and Pugsley. Yes. And sent something to his brother that said, I wish you were here, but I can't see you anymore. P.S. Debbie says hi. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Which is really solid. That's and really then funny. his brother starts freaking out. Testament to Raul Julia's amazing acting. Like he goes for it. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like on, he like falls to his knees and is yelling at the sky and shit. Kisses his wife's arm a bit more. This is when we get the ball and chain joke, I think. Oh, yes, I think it is. Is, is this yeah. moment. Oh, they go to the police, don't they? Not until after they actually go visit Fester. And that's right. not until after at least the um, play is cast. Yes, that's what happens at this point. Because this is this is also the serial killer cards. I got ahead of myself. Because while after they look at the cards and they trade a couple uh, is when she gets cast as Pocahontas. Yes, so all the little Aryan girls I was talking about are, they're doing the the first thanksgiving this is so fucking historically inaccurate in a way that infuriates me like these things that these two events have nothing to do with each other the fuck are you talking about so all the little aryan girls are pilgrims the jonestown people weren't even protestant all the chippewa yeah all the chippewa are played by people by little kids of color it's solid because those are all like the side characters the people who aren't really stars and it's like it's you know it shows you what these people think i just like, I know that this is part of the joke, but I need you to realize how actually mad I am about it. Like, you can be actually, like I said, this is not that different from a lot of Thanksgiving stuff that I have seen and, like, been a part of. I don't think I was ever in a Thanksgiving show that put Pocahontas at Thanksgiving. But, like, that definitely seems like something that would happen. Oh, God, the whole pilgrim, just everything. Like, oh, man. Like, I, I think the the closest i've ever been to a thanksgiving thing is when i think at one point at our school they put on like charlie brown thanksgiving but the thing is is that's actually okay like that's good a little a little overtly christian in one moment but other than but that's just you know it's fucking charlie brown it's It's charlie brown if linus isn't reading from the old testament it's not charlie brown linus does worship a giant pumpkin yeah but you know that's that's old testament for you man also it's the great pumpkin charlie brown do you want to get to the part where uh, they visit Fester? Is that what we're doing next? Yeah, yeah, they're visiting Fester. And A, the fact that they were even allowed into the house is a really dangerous game that Debbie is playing. Yeah, these people will kill. And she's done her research, so she knows. So I think she's just, I guess at this point, she's just confident in her hold over Fester. Yes, in fact, Morticia says, you have placed Fester under some strange sexual spell. I respect that. Yes. And it's, she, well, she has just in a, so they, they try to confront her and Fester is like, leave, go away. And Gomez mm-hmm. is like, that's not my brother. And the, this whole dramatic scene happens and it culminates with, uh, with Morticia going, you have, you have enslaved him, placed him under some strange sexual spell, all this other stuff. And then she says, and I can forgive all of that, but there's one thing I can't forgive. Really? Pastels? And, as a person who loves pastels, as a person who's like, I'm down with that kind of genre of colors. <laughs> genre. That hurts. Like, that's a deep dig. Because you know what? Those pastels do kind of suck. You don't go with white pastels. You got to go with color. And the fact that that's what makes Debbie kick them out is amazing. 
That's a good joke. Maybe the reason she invited them was because she wanted them to be mad at her. Like, she wanted a big reaction, uh-huh. and she was really mad that she got the big reaction from pastels. Yeah. So in the next scene, we see Timon as a cop. I haven't seen him in person uh, in a couple of years since I rewatched. Uh, what was that one that he did with also the Lion King guy about the play, the Mel Gibson movie? Oh. Where they're making a play and trying to make money and lose money. Oh, you mean um, you mean Mel Brooks movie? Yeah, the Mel Brooks movie. What did I say? Not Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson did I say movie? Mel Gibson? Ooh, that's a bad. You're thinking of I, the producer. That's. Ooh, that hey, that's I am thinking of the producers, but also confusing Mel Brooks' name with Mel Gibson is literally yeah. the worst mistake I could have made, and I'm really sorry about that. I was sitting um, here like I definitely never saw this movie where Mel Gibson makes a play. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Mel Brooks. Yeah, I, I rewatched the producers. I think that was the last time I saw what's that actor's name again? Timon in real life. So I didn't realize it was him until he started really talking, and I was like, oh, it's Timon. Uh, but also in this scene, Gomez really goes off the rails and you get a little bit of Raul Julia's native Puerto Rican accent in here. <laughs> like he loses that America, uh, that kind of quasi-American accent that he has really hard in this scene. It was really fun though. He really goes for it. And then they get, I guess, well, they're, I guess they just get kicked out of the police station. He says they're going to book him, but like for what <laughs> i mean i don't know yelling at cops i think is enough uh to get thrown in prison for a, uh, for at least two hours the so this is where we get to the scene where they are where the kids are punished for not for not fitting in and the way that they're properly punished sorry made an example of which is worse that's a worse thing that she said it is a really creepy thing that they said it's like a it's like a fucking invasion of body snatchers like we'll make them all like us well, and I do love that while they're chanting, she says, do we want to kill them? And all the kids say yes. And she goes, no, we do want to make an example of them. And I was like, oh, my God, this is a cult. This is so creepy. This is like the scariest part of the movie. And I, I do like how this scene is set up because I think this Christina Ricci does a lot of really good acting here. So they're they're forced to watch a bunch of Disney movies because Disney's had this reputation for a while now of being, you know, this kitschy, fun family film. They get thrown in in Disney jail. In Disney jail. In not Disney, Disney jail. And they come out and they're like, we're normal now. We'll do your creep, we're your thing. And Wednesday gives a smile that I'm sure has been made to a meme at some point. The thing I have to say, memes weren't invented until 1997, Tony. You're right. (laughs) Nobody has ever made a meme of something from before 1997. (laughs) I, but the, the scene where she is fighting to smile that is some really good acting the thing that she is doing with her face in this scene is a lot that's a lot Mm -hmm. like for a kid to do especially but yeah so she gives the creepiest smile (laughs) that i have seen uh, on a child's face and there is a plan brewing yes i'm waiting for you to come back it's just that (sighs) So, like I said before, this is not different enough from actual Thanksgiving plays for me to not feel uncomfortable watching it. Oh, yeah. No, this is fucking, like, I, oh, it's so infuriating, just this whole thing. But her plan is to go along with this play until she sets the whole place on Until fire. she fucking coup d'etats the entire establishment. And she got a hold of a lot of fire. I mean, they're in a forest at a camp. There's 
it's it's not hard to get a hold of a lot of fire at camp. I'm just saying they prepared. They had about half of the camp's kids at their disposal. Right. Everybody who didn't look exactly like everybody else. They tie up they tie up the the bitch girl that's that's like her enemy and it seems like they burn her alive but we actually see her later so she's probably fine. They do seem to roast the either sibling or married couple or just friends? No, they have the same last name. They, they do? Have, one of them has a hyphenated version of the name. And I don't know what that means vis-a-vis whether they're siblings or married. Okay, but wait, let me see. Yeah, they're married. So these people get, I mean, they die. Meanwhile, Debbie. Debbie. Did she mention, like, trying to kill him in other ways? Just killed a man. Anyway, she's got a big bomb in a present, and she leaves it for Lester, or Fester. Damn it. Yeah. I she, did it. She goes. I said I wouldn't. <laughs> Just a normal. It's, it's not a normal name, Brain. You can do this. She leaves Lester to go hang out with fucking Monk of all people. You, you just did the exact same thing. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she super just goes hang goes to hang out with monk uh which is hilarious because it's like that's so not a tony shalhoub character no it really isn't like if it, you expect tony shalhoub to play bad people or weird people not hot sailor yeah that's a weird one but also this is clearly like it, it this really does feel like listen tony shalhoub i'm making an adams family movie do you want a cameo and he was like, what are my options? Uh, you can be a guy who delivers baby, parent of camper, or hot sailor. Say, well, guy who delivers baby. Guy who delivers baby. What? Are you kidding? Come on. We got you, but we got the scrubs in your size already. No, I want to be a hot sailor. <laughs> but we got the scrubs. <laughs> who are we going to put in there? There has to be somebody small and kind of your size. Just get the guy from Frasier. We were the same size. The brother, Niles. That was him, by the way. That's Niles. Oh, okay. If you say so. I did not recognize that guy. I recognize... I mean, his face is covered. So unless you unless you watched a lot of Fraser, just recognize his, his tinny, whiny voice. She blows him up. She blows up her entire house in the biggest fucking explosion. Oh, this... And it's a real explosion. And we only see it once. I genuinely thought... I was really sad because I was like, oh my god, that was like a really big explosion and a really real explosion. And they only got one camera? They didn't do the thing that <laughs> every movie does with the explosions where it explodes and then you get another camera and it explodes again? Like, come on! You're really sad about this, huh? I am. I love a good explosion. especially Movie explosions are so fun to, to watch and also to watch behind the scenes of. So yeah, she explodes him, and he just like walks out with a steak on fire, and she starts screaming about how she wanted to make it look like an accident, and like, how? <laughs> no, but like, how though? How was that an accident? Gas main. A gas main. A ga- yeah, it was a gas leak. Okay, we built it she over a faulty gas main. the entire house. Yeah, man, it was like a really big gas main. <laughs> There's no sustained fire. But here's the thing, right? I feel like once she said Adams, everyone would be like, all right, maybe it was an accident. This this feels like an Adams family death. But Adams family death aren't accidents. Uh, so she points a gun at him. This is the biggest fucking gun I have ever seen. She Holy wasn't going to use a small gun, Andy. He keeps not dying. Here's the thing, though, right? Is This is a, another way in which Debbie is a much better villain than Mom from the first movie. Because in the first movie, when Mom pulls out a gun, when, uh, sorry, 
Craven pulls out a gun. It is the tiniest little pea shooter I have ever seen. Enough to kill somebody, sure, but not an Adams. But this gun is so fucking massive. Like, I feel like if The Rock held this gun, it would be too big for his hands. It looks like a Nerf gun <laughs> that they just painted silver. So then Thing shows up and runs her over with her car. But doesn't like, doesn't like slam into her and kill her. I legit thought that this was where she was gonna die. I didn't because I thought, oh, the thing can't, thing can't push the pedals at the same time. But then next scene, that doesn't seem to matter. No, yeah, but that's the thing is, I was so bothered by the logistics of this. Like how you, even if you let go of the gas, you're not gonna accelerate that long. She also has two cars though, and she definitely left the nicer car somewhere else. You would think it would have been up in fucking smoke. <laughs> How big that explosion is. Fester gets in the car and Thing drives off. Now they're in a car chase. Let's go back. We actually need to rewind a little bit because we need to talk about what happened to... God, what's that baby's name? He's got a terrible Pubert. name. Pubert. What happened to Pubert is all this shit with Lester has been stressing him out so much that he became a normal kid. With, uh blonde haired kid that's true that's fair but i he also lost his mustache he also lost his mustache and he's like giggling and and laughing and no longer breathing fire but and here's why i think the house is magical because his room also starts changing because the crib changes with him from like a goth crib to like a prep crib and then the room changes later into like a normal room and there's a scene where like Morticia is reading him the cat in the hat and she's so distraught that he's having a fun time. And she flips to the end and goes, oh no, he lives. <laughs> and at this point, Gomez has also been overtaken with grief. He's gone hysterical. He's dying. Uh, Morticia says, my baby is sick and my husband is dying. What do I do? And her mother says, well, you've got a black dress. <laughs> yeah, you know. So at this point, Lester comes in. Fuck me! <laughs> Fester comes in. <laughs> I think I also said Lester a little while ago. You did. We were, and the thing is, is this wasn't a problem after the first time. I don't know why it's a problem now. It's, oh, it's midnight. We were so close it's, to not to never doing it. Hey, Tony, I just realized why it's a problem now. It's because we've been talking for almost four hours. <laughs> and this is your fault. So Fester comes in. <laughs> And then, like, right after him, Morticia, not Morticia, the kids. Yeah, Wednesday, Wednesday and Pugsley Wednesday come and in. Wednesday and Pugsley come in. And it's like, okay, well, I guess burning down that camp took so long that now they can't save their uncle because he's here already. Yeah, so they, I do love that before the kids are happy that Lester's back, they just look at their parents and they go, you sent us to summer camp. And then they realize, oh, shit, that's right. We did do that. <laughs> They all have a big hug, even though they Wednesday said earlier that they do not do hugs, which I guess what she meant is they do not hug evil monsters. They don't hug fucking strangers. And you know what? I wouldn't hug those people either. They're weird. They're weirdos. They hug their weird uncle and their family, and they don't hug these creepy ass kids. Ah, oh, these just these just straight up terrible people. Who, if they gave them two seconds would have bleached both of their hair. Deb shows up, hooks everybody up to uh, electric chairs. A ton of electric chairs. It's not surprising they have this many electric chairs, but I'm not sure I believe that they would even work. 
We've seen at least Pugsley and Fester get electrocuted, and they were fine. Deb's just gonna kill everybody. Fuck it. And so we get the most terrible looking baby hand. Oh my god, I forgot about the puppet baby hand. This fucking puppet baby hand is so distressing. Did we talk about the racist play enough? I feel like we didn't talk about the racist play enough because it was super racist and terrible. And and I know that we kind of glossed over it, but it's just so bad. It was very racist. And I would have been totally okay with it had they not done the woo-woo-woo-woo stuff when they finally did the coup. Could have done without it. Maybe cut that yeah, part but, out like, and I'd be okay with pre-teens, it. Preteens, man. They don't know. Okay, but I, I but the people who wrote this movie who were fucking grown ass adults did know. Yeah. I mean I get it though. It's like trying to it was like trying to elicit the specific idea of like the Native Americans fighting back against the Europeans. Mm-hmm. But it's weird because then when you do that it feels sort of it, it feels less symbolic and more straight up stealing just, it just just bad and also yeah it it, it does, like again no actual native americans in that group just a bunch of kids having fun burning burning down this awful awful hellscape okay so now back to the slideshow and this terrible awful baby hand this baby puppet hand is so bad <laughs> it feels what's super weird about it is they definitely could have gotten a what, what did he grab a knife oh yeah a fake they knife gotten a fake knife and given it to a baby and filmed the hand grabbing the knife that is not difficult the scene where the baby catches the guillotine that's fucking real ass baby hand right there (laughs) right like we got some real baby hand action in that and we got a lot of real baby in this movie why is it that this scene we had to get a we had to break out fucking jim henson's awful terrible creation it's the scariest thing in either of these movies is this baby hand freaked me the fuck out and it grabs a knife and it saws itself out of the crib but it doesn't keep the knife it just leaves the crib and through a hilarious rube goldberg machine of events makes its way to the basement but before that slideshow we get uh debbie's quote-unquote tragic backstory and i do love this tragic backstory (laughs) Um, because you realize that, A, she's just one of those crazy entitled people. And that does kind of make her inherently not an Adams. Yes, because she just, like, wants stuff because she wants stuff. And as soon as something slightly doesn't go her way, she is the worst about it. Yeah, like, literally the worst. You know, like, when people say, my, my girlfriend literally killed me? She literally killed them. And I do love that she took photos of them moments before their death. During a murder, I assume, camera on one shoulder, knife over the other shoulder. In one of them, she's driving a car at him. Like, this must have been really hard to get. But then she made a slideshow out of it in 1993 when PowerPoint didn't exist. Wow, that's a good point. That's a good PowerPoint. Yeah, thank you. Um, (laughs) But I do love this scene because she walks through all all three of her murder victims, and I do like that. And I like that the Adams family is impressed by this. Like, wow, she really, like her, her logic and reasoning, terrible. They're also like, almost feels like they're totally cool with this. Yeah. They're like sitting here like, yeah, yeah, it sucks you had to go through all that. Like, they're just like accepting this nonsense she's spewing. Well, I mean, it's, they're the Adams family. They excel at acceptance and not dying. They're very good at that second bit. See, the problem is, is that she's not a mob. If only she was a large group of people. Well, I want to mention Chekhov's roller skate. Chekhov's roller skate? 
I did not expect this to come back. At the very beginning, Thing is roller skating around the house. Really? Oh my god. Yes. At the very beginning, Thing is roller skating around the house, and at some point the baby like slides down the banister and lands on that roller skate and skates his way to the basement. Wow, that's amazing. That's really good. <laughs> the, the baby connects some wires and electrocutes Debbie to Ash. Yes, she dies hard. Instantly cremated. Which doesn't really make that much sense later when a hand pops up from her grave. But maybe that's not her hand. Maybe that's Thing. Maybe that... I I think that was Thing. Uh, mostly, mostly because of the setup of up to that moment. But also at the end of the last movie, we established that maybe the Adams can wake the dead. So... That's true. Also, I do love that because she legally was in Adams, she does get buried on the family plot. That is a good point. But I feel like they also bury their enemies on the family plot because that's happened as well. Yeah, but I don't think they get marked graves. They got marked graves. Oh, they do? Their names are on them. So there's a wrap-up scene. Yeah, we get like a, what is it, like a Halloween party or something? No, it's uh, it's the kid's first birthday. One year has passed since the beginning of this movie. Cousin and Margaret show up with their new baby and their new nanny who looks exactly like Fester. So, like, ooh, they're gonna hit it off, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and her name's Dementia, which is so goth. <laughs> Wednesday and Numbers are, are hanging out. They're kind of sort of flirting in a weird way. They're kind of sort of flirting, and then Wednesday pulls that trick where it looks like Deb is raising from the dead. Yep. And so, like, that seems like hard flirting from Wednesday. Oh, yeah, it, I, I think so. Like, the only other person she's attempted something like this with at this scale, I think, was her brother. So he's at least a good friend. This is how you show affection. Da, 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 da. That's the end of the movie. When I started watching the first movie, I was not mm. sure if I was going to ha- enjoy it. Oh, I really liked the first movie. But I think by the end of the second movie, I, I had a good time overall. And mm. I definitely really liked the first movie. I quite like both these movies. I wish the second movie had a plot that wasn't just the first movie again, but... We're ignoring a lot of character stuff, you know? The thing is, I think the second movie has a better movie, but the first movie has a better execution of character. Yes, I I see where you're coming from with that. Does that that make sense? We had a lot of questions about the villains in the last movie, but also I think the villains were in general kind of fun. Yeah, well, they were very ridiculous. Yeah, they sort of fit into the world. There was just stuff said in the last movie... That was delivered, like, slightly better than this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, they were very overt with the idea that the Adamses were outcasts. Instead of being a little bit less overt with it, like they were in the last one. Where they just, you know, they gave actual examples instead of basically saying we're just like the Native Americans. Yeah. Being, like, burned as a witch or torn apart by horses for being traitorous. That's, like, a thing that actually happened to white people. I don't think at any point... Very few white people went through what, you know, white people did to Native Americans. There are a lot of points in this movie where I was like, it could have been done better, but there was also just more movie here. I feel like a lot of the first movie was just like bit after bit after bit with little a little thin plot holding them all together. Do you know what would be nice if this was some sort of television show? Yeah, or something long form, like a comic strip. I, I would definitely recommend the first movie. The second movie... It's just a lot of problematic shit in it. I cannot in good conscience recommend it because of that stuff. 
Um, but it is fun. It's it I is would funny. so recommend it. I feel like it's a good idea to view stuff like that, like with as critical an eye as you can. But I also think that that particular portrayal, it's not nearly as bad as other shit we've seen. Yeah, especially it's definitely out of the not. 90s. What it was trying to do was say that that these people were just perpetuating problems that ha- that they had been perpetuating for hundreds of years. Yeah. And like, hey, you can have a problem with that, and that's also fair, you know? Yeah, and I, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, I still think it's a really funny movie, and I still think it's definitely should be watched. Just, you know, be aware that that's in it. Um, mm-hmm. And even even though it's intended to have a certain message, I can easily see people just not wanting that in their movie, and that's totally fine. Um, I, I I would I'm much more willing to rewatch the first movie than the second one because of that. I just I don't really like Uncle Fester in the second movie. I mean neither. God. And like I love Christopher Lloyd. He had some great deliveries there, but like his character wasn't that cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for listening to Direct's video. VHS. VHS. I've been your host and tired human being. Tony Augusto. And I have been your host and uh, eternally tormented ghost, Andy Reyes. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Theater Bats, and you can find the comic that I do. Did I say Theater Bats? Or did I say, like, almost that? I think you said Theater Bats, but it was... Theaters, but... You can find the comic that I do at inspiredbytrueevents.org. It is IRL 12.50am, so we're... We're really hitting the edge of our stamina. I didn't expect the Adam Sandler movies to be one of our long hauls. Uh, Even cutting out the, like, 30 minutes of stuff, that's still, like, almost four hours. Uh, I mean, I could probably get this down to, like, three fairly easily, maybe. Maybe it should be, like, one of of the two-hour, 40-minute ones. Whatever, it's Thanksgiving. What? No, it's not. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm Uh, tired. I would like to think. Andy, who are you? I would, oh, uh, I mean, I am at royalty underscore valens, but I would also like to thank Lee Rosevere for his song, Planet E, off of Trappist One. Nice. Yeah! Finally. Rate us on iTunes or on your other podcatcher apps or whatever you have. Scream it to the wind. We watched the Adams family and talked about it for so long. Give us five stars. Be like they had opinions on Wednesday Adams. People will flock to us. We would they yeah, she's like super in the in the public consciousness right now, right? I feel like you're being sarcastic, but also But it's Halloween, so she definitely is. She but also she's like the one I know. Like, going in, I knew Wednesday Adams. Oh, I, I always was a big fan of Gomez Adams, because, A, I just love Raul Julia. No, I, but I, I hadn't seen an episode of this. Oh, But I right. knew Wednesday Adams. Right, that is correct. Are we done? Is this, is this all the things? We, do we have more things? I, I really do feel like we missed something, but I cannot imagine what it would be. I'm so tired. We're done. We're gone. Even if we miss something, we'll fix it in post. Uh, go to directu.video. I will eventually start putting YouTube stuff up there more often, like clips of the shows. Well, we have so many, and we're going to have so many in this episode. Next time, we are going to watch The Muppet Movie and The Great Muppet Cape. Oh, finally. I was wondering when we'd get to the original Muppet movies. For some reason, I think of these as Thanksgiving movies. They're not. 
Maybe I just would watch them at Thanksgiving sometimes. Maybe they were just came on on Thanksgiving a lot. Or maybe there was a Muppet movie that I did watch at Thanksgiving that I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. But like, it felt like the time of year to do a Muppet movie. November. It's getting colder. You must snuggle up to a Muppet. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I need to get their consent first. They're real people, Tommy. Muppet. Well, they're real Muppets. They love. Oh, them. I'm sorry. And Muppets can't. Can't don't need you don't need consent because it's a muppet. Is that what I you're just saying? said that they love hugging. Is what I said. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I asked permission. I first. said my thing way faster than you said your thing, which makes my thing more true. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that arguments work like fucking dueling in the wild west. Whoever gets it out there faster. Good. I'm glad we agree on this. I am the ghost of John Smith. Ooh. Um, you know what's not good? The movie Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, or whatever the fuck it was called. It had Hawkeye in it. I heard it was good, but not, not like, good good, but, like, fun good. It's it's Van Helsing good in that it's, like, a dumb, fun monster hunting movie. Damn it. We are not gonna get, we're not gonna be able to have another Halloween one, but, like, Van Helsing and Hansel and Gretel? We need to put that one on the list, though. Like, that's a, definitely, like, a back burner. Ah, oh, talk about fine wine. Yeah. I do not drink wine. I drink blood. Wait, no. I think he just says, I do not drink, drink wine. wine. Yeah. <laughs> if he said, I drink blood, that's no longer like a double entendre. <laughs> <laughs> just everyone at the table looks at him. <laughs> oh, man. I really gave up the gamut, didn't I? Could I be a vampire? Maybe. No one was asking. <laughs> literally no one <laughs>